Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed episode number 135. And if you don't like the Sixth Doctor, he will beat you into submission with his charm. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm beating Glenn into submission with my charm as we speak. <laughs> um, that's not what I call it. <laughs> you guys have a good weekend? <laughs> Slash week? I thought of all the things I did before I got here, and I can't remember anything. <laughs> I'm getting old. We had a really very fall weekend. We did. It was cool. It was in here. the 70s. We had a record high-low, <laughs> meaning it was the lowest high we've had on record. And this is normally, Saturday. in Kansas, the hottest time of the yeah, year. This is the hottest month. Not complaining. No, not at all. I think it was 74, wasn't it? Was that the I think I, I, I never low. saw a high. And rainy. Record lowest high for June or July. I heard heard someone describe it as Portlandian weather. Yeah, it's what it's been like. It's like... Not enough rain. Yeah, not (laughs) enough rain. But it's cloudy overcast. It was cloudy overcast. I'm trying to think what I did this week. It's been raining on and off all night tonight. Oh, sprink one. Well, that's Portlandian right there. Oh! Sorry. You got a message. Who is it? What did she say? Well, my son is sick. Oh, oh no. So, he's, I think we've got strep again, which he just gets it all the time. So, it's kind of become a... Poor Mason. Yeah. He's, well, yeah. We we went to the fair. There's why. There's why. There's oh, why. There, there's why. We went, no. <laughs> we went Tell to the fair. Tell him licking the pigs. <laughs> went to the fair <laughs> yesterday morning. And uh, I particularly took him because they like to look at animals, so I thought they would enjoy that. But they have this uh, thing where you, you see the big inflatables that they like to go to. Oh, know, yeah, kids like to bouncing castles yeah. and whatnot. And like six of them in this little area on the dock. And I'm, I mean dock, I mean it's like a truckloading dock. We don't have lakes here, or rivers. Or, but <laughs> Water. Water, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they had like six of them set up, and for like ten bucks you could play all day. Like oh, all wow. Day. Yeah. So I took them out there. Um, Holly had to work yesterday morning, so I took kids there, and they played, and then we went in and looked at the ducks and the chickens and the roosters. And then we went to the pancake feed. The 4-H has a pancake feed every year, mm. so we went to the pancake feed for, to, for lunch. Oh, this is the one at the expo. Mm-hmm. I, I, drove, drove, the County County I drove past that. Yes. I didn't um, stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we had pancakes, but he was his, his tummy was feeling bad yesterday, and then he got sick. Sick, sick yesterday, vomiting sick. Today he's starting with a sore throat. That's usually how they come. I just whenever he gets uh, strep, it, it starts in his tummy and then it goes to his throat. So, and then so he's was sick last night, and obviously he's still having a rough time. So, mm-hmm. poor guy. So this might be a short podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, did you do anything fun? Um, I was trying to think what we did Saturday. We we had a very full day, and for the life we helped of the me, friend move. Oh, that's what it was. We helped Corey move. Which how'd that go? It wasn't bad, thankfully. Um, she had some additional muscle show up from. Well, she has quite a few brothers, isn't she? Well, none of them showed up. Oh, really? None of them. I'm assuming Julian was. Julian had to work. Um, 
I don't know how many siblings they have. There's 19 of them, I think, all together. <laughs> I lose track. Um, but fortunately, her sister had some people from her church that showed up to help. Oh. And we'd have been sunk without them. Nice. Um, because I, I got to stay in the truck and play Tetris uh, by stacking boxes and furniture and figuring <laughs> things out. And they got to do all the up and down the stairs business, which was pretty awesome for me. Um, not that I didn't work up a sweat, you know, by the end of it, because I handled everything twice as much as and they what did. what a great weekend to move. Yeah. Nice cool weather. It was nice cool weather. But um, so we did that, and I probably got her done in about two, two and a half hours, all told, which oh. I was fairly impressed with wow. for the lack of people that were there. Um, and then we kind of stayed and helped her unpack some things. And she actually moved in just two doors down from where we're at. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So Corey's on the same She's block. She's on the cul-de-sac. She's cool. on the cul-de-sac. Nice. And then... Um, does she have a roommate, or is she there? Her sister. Oh, okay. But Shaolin's in uh, Spain, of all places, right now, so it's <laughs> she's going to come back. <laughs> and apparently, Corey has to work the day that her plane lands, so she can't pick her up from the airport. So somebody's going to pick her up, and she's not going to know where she lives <laughs> because all of this happened while she was was overseas. But they they decided to move. But um, it's like, wow, that's the way to get rid of your sibling, isn't it? <laughs> Find me. Um, and then Mel and I went and saw. Um, I guess it was Thursday. We went and saw Monsters University. How was that? It's really cute. It's um, not as good as the first one, which I didn't expect it to be. Mm-hmm. And it's very much the standard college movie. It's Animal House. It's any film that's ever set in college. It's, it's I, I heard movie. it was Animal House. It's Animal much. House. It's very, very close to Animal House. And it's... It's Revented and Urge. It's got a lot of those... Accepting who you are. It's, it's kind of one of those stories that I'm not sure how I feel about it because the gist of it is this is what I want to be, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to strive for it, I'm going to work harder than everybody else for it, but you simply don't have the aptitude to do it. You just can't do it. So you kind of have to accept what you can do. And on the one hand, I appreciate that you know it's a learning experience and teaching that, but the rose-colored glasses romantic in me refuses to acknowledge that because I don't like... You don't like the realistic message? Yeah, I don't I don't like limitations. And so there was a part of me that did not like I that. I like that because, and this comes from working in TV news for so many years, is I see so many of these kids come out of college. <laughs> literally, because we're a starter market. I yeah. see so many of these kids come out of college, and they're, they're, they're working hard and they're trying their best. Don't get me wrong. They're but gung-ho. somebody in college or some professor or somebody said, told them they were good, and they're not. They don't have an aptitude for yeah. it. And I've seen so many of them come into our business and try to move on and fail. And then they've gone off and done other things because they just couldn't, couldn't hack it. And I, I'm afraid that's what's happening is I think colleges are breeding. I think long time ago, colleges either told you whether you're going to make it or not. I don't think they do that anymore. I think they, well, they, they, they're trying to push those kids out the door. And they say, oh, you're, you're good. You're doing great. You're, you know, I think there's, there's a little too much. Oh, and that, there's yeah, also some of the the nanny generation of that too. Well, yeah, that's that's certainly of the true. gimme generation, the entitlements. Well, and I mean, generation. They, they, we certainly came off of a generation of, of parents that you know every every piece of artwork that their child brought home was fantastic and great, which yeah. is you're supposed to do that at a young age. But these kids take that to heart that well, you know, everything I do is fantastic, as mom and dad say so, and then. Yeah, and then get, and the sports events where yeah. everybody wins. Yeah, nobody everybody loses. wins. Oh, it goes back to you know, flag day. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, you get a participation badge. What? Yeah. So. I showed up and I get a prize? This isn't right. Yeah. So I've, I, I actually respect the fact that they took that, that tact with, yeah. with uh, 
the, you know, I, I like the be yourself message. I like the, you know, be the best of who you are. Right. You know, don't, don't, don't push yourself to do something just because, especially if, if other people want you to do that. You know, so, it's right. got, it's got a very good, uh, you know, it's, it's got a good message and it ties in very nicely. There's a lot of little things that they did that referenced the, the other film that mm-hmm. you go, oh, that's where that came from, and so you're kind of getting oh, that. That's you know, cool. This is how that began. Moment. Did you guys rewatch Monsters Inc.? We didn't. Oh. No, you probably, I mean, very easily could, but we just. Didn't I, I just didn't know if you guys did beforehand. Yeah, no, we just didn't have time to beforehand. But, but we we thoroughly enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. And um, art, have you seen? You've seen the previews. Art's kind of the. Oh, is he the big purple the, thing? Rainbow shaped, whatever he is, with feet and <laughs> the purple. Yeah. yeah. The greatest animated sidekick character <laughs> ever. <laughs> he was just hysterical. Everything that came out of his mouth. They've got these pain balls that they're lighting up and, you know, oh, you don't want to touch them because they electrocute you and all this kind of stuff. It's an obstacle course. And he just gets glassy-eyed and goes, I have to touch them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then at one point later, they're breaking into the factory. I can't go back to jail again. I can't go back to jail again. And you just want to go, <laughs> why? What were you there for? You know? <laughs> Hi, my name's Art, New Age philosophy major. Thought you might like to keep a dream journal. <laughs> I loved Art. But yeah, so that was fun. We missed out on uh, on seeing the Wolverine. A bunch of guys from work went, and everybody that I've talked to has said it was phenomenal. But I'm poor until payday, so I'm a little worried about it. I've heard that it was... I'm sure anything's I, better than that last piece. That's, that's, what, I've said, that's what I've heard. Uh, one of the reviews I saw <laughs> was that it was though. better than the Wolverine Origins. But not by much. Oh no! Everybody. But other people, fans I've seen, love it. So everybody that I've talked to, every piece of feedback anywhere on Facebook has all been they finally got Wolverine right. So I'm Hmm. kind of excited by it. But but we were talking about that at work actually with Star Wars, and everybody's all hyped about J.J. Abrams taking over and doing the new Star Wars film. And it's like you you guys realize, of course, that he could do a Star Wars film that realistically is like maybe 10% better than Phantom Menace and it will be guarded as an instant classic. <laughs> this is true. I mean, isn't yeah, that kind of sad you, and when, worrisome? When there's a bar. Yeah. We're not aiming for here. We're aiming for here. Uh, I don't <laughs> know. I mean, I think yeah, yes, but I think also Lucas set the bar pretty high with Revenge of the Sith. I mean, I think that, that got at least a, a warm welcome, despite some of the issues with the, the, the fans have had, but so at least that bar got raised back up. <laughs> since Phantom Menace, but yeah, but it's not, not to the, still not to the level. That of the, lowest. Of the well, it wasn't as bad as Phantom Menace. That's, I don't know. That's it's, what, it's what people will walk away from. New trilogy. That's that's kind of the bar that you're going. It's for. the low bar. That's yeah, that's the low it bar. It's, it's yeah. The, well, at least well, it's, it's not. As they're bad not going to top Empire. I mean, let's be realistic. But yeah, so and then we did get out and play some disc golf today in the nice weather, which was. Which was fun. Um, we took Katrina with us, so it took an extra hour and a half to play. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't want to stay in the stroller now. I'm no, no, no. She walks around and carries her frisbee and throws it, and it goes a foot and a half. And she picks it up and throws she it. She further than Keith sometimes. Then. Hey! <laughs> I didn't want to say that. But then no, she likes Keith, also, Keith can throw further than she, I can. She, she also likes to turn around and run back to the basket we just played. <laughs> she, like, she likes the chink noise. You know, so. <laughs> chink. Hey! We all have to applaud you made it in, and then she can't pull it back out because she keeps trying to pull it through the basket instead of <laughs> up and over. But cute. I picked up a video game from the library, Lego Lord of the Rings. What do you think? I have still haven't finished it. I got tired of doing all the stupid quests. It's I'm 
I just finished the bar the Balrog. Balrog? The Balrog. The Balrog bit. You have to roll your eyes. So I'm assuming I have like one more story level I think of because right, yeah. I looked at the trophies mm-hmm. and it's there's eighteen of them. So for three movies that breaks down to six story levels apiece. So I'm I'm pretty far into it story wise. Yeah. And I've I'm resisting. The Balrog was in the first movie. Well, yeah, but I just got it Saturday. Well, you're not pretty far into it story-wise. You're kind of like halfway through the first movie. No, I'm almost done with the first movie. No, I'm kind of halfway. Eh. I don't know. I think you're almost done. It, with the Balrog I think was I have at the two-hour mark of three hours and twenty minutes. <laughs> so you must have. Been there. Yeah, I have. I had, I'm pretty sure I have one story level left. I think of the right. first movie. I've played it. I've played through the whole story. So. I think you might be right. They must have front-loaded a lot of it then. I don't know, but it's been a while, because like I said, I it's, put it down and I pick it back up. Yeah, it's... I don't know how I feel about it yet. I, I, it's very different from I, how it is. How I thoroughly enjoyed the, the story game. The play. story game, yeah. That, that, and that's what I'm doing. I'm not... I, I allowed myself at first to get distracted by some of the side quests, and I'm like, no, I know how this works. I need to complete the story, unlock all the characters, and then go back and play all the way through again and be done. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a pretty good job with so a heavy far. sigh in the middle, <laughs> and gnashing of teeth, and, and wringing of hands. I, I just, I just games. don't know how I feel about the hub. It's yeah, so big. The hub's way too big. And I, I mean, mean, it's nice. At least you can, you can travel. You can tra- points, quick travel. Yeah, you can make but travel. then those quick travel points, the hubs are still rather big around there. Yeah, and I, I like that you can. Well, there's a, there's you find like, the map stones, and then that can show you. Yeah. That shows you where everything is, right. which is nice. I haven't done any side quests yet. You still yet. find yourself walking a lot to, well, find, to get. I kind of expect like, that from Lord of the Rings. Rings and things. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I just, I, 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 literally, I still haven't finished it. I, I bought it months ago, and I. See, I've got I two just, weeks. I, I played it, and I, I, I started it, and I really enjoyed the stories. And see, I'm finding that I don't it, remember this as well as it, I thought I did. Well, this is the one that that. that threw me off because the Batman the Batman Lego, Lego Batman 2 was the first one with actual dialogue in it yes which I finally bought oh wow I that one was so much bought. fun I, once I'm I kind of surprised it. you uh, I well because I'm a completist so I have to have all the Lego I am excited but, that, but, uh, but you didn't keep the first Marvel. Lego Batman I sold my copy Mel still has hers okay. so now that we've integrated some stuff it's kind of like yeah it's still there but yeah I, I was very very upset at Lego, Lego Batman Lego Marvel yeah, Lego but there's Marvel. a Lego very Marvel that looks cool but um but yeah, so I, 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 I think it's that, kind of that funny. threw me off when, like, just I mean, it wasn't even so bad that you know the dialogue is there in, in Batman, uh, Lego it, Batman Two. You're not used to it, but suddenly they they all yeah, speak weird. normal. Yeah. So it's a little. It really threw me off in Lord of the Rings because it's actual movie dialogue that I know. Yes. You know, so that's Which, that's what seemed even weirder to me. In the prologue, I could have sworn I heard Martin Freeman. With the young Bilbo when he picks up the ring, I could have sworn it was him. Mm. I don't know if it is. I haven't looked, but it sounded cool. very much like him. That they got him to come in and record something for it. Because I don't yeah, know why they'd have to because uh, they well, probably could have used it from the Hobbit. I mean, they're it, using it, it, dialogue it, from all the actors. Yeah, films, it's so. they didn't re-record it all. Yeah, it's, they just took dialogue the from the actual movies. So I don't know how I feel about that. I'm okay with it with Lord of the Rings. I had more of a problem with Batman. See, Lord, Lord of the Rings, I, I'm under, I'm okay with it because there's a lot of talking in those movies, and you can't exactly translate that as well. well it, it, that's why. They and the, needed and then the it, fact yeah. that they're just literally pulling it, they're not changing any dialogue. They're maybe they're changing what's happening on the screen to make it fun, you know. It but they're not like changing the dialogue. But if you're going to do this, the, you know, animate some cute little scene and tell it without dialogue, and the reason I have a problem with it, the opposite that you did, 
is I was fine with it in Batman because it's its own story. It's a, and, an original. And they yeah. still they still add the humorous moments in there. Yeah. So it's still Legoish. It's still cute and and uh, innocent and to a point. I mean, still it's edgier than well, I think yeah. most of the games. But you know, but there's still the humor, and so the humor is still coupled with the action and then the fact that there's little Legos running around doing all this stuff. With Lord of the Rings, it's all the serious dialogue. There's, I mean, it's there's. They're still doing funny little cute little yeah. Lego things, but it's with, not in with the, the actual real dialogue. Yeah, so yeah. that that's what makes it. Strange. It, it does have kind of a weird feel to it while playing it. I'm still kind of on the fence on how what I how I feel about it since hmm. I'm all, I I was very much. I don't know if I like this until I got the full fellowship. Once I got the fellowship, I was a little more okay. I'm getting starting to get the hang of it. Uh, some of the action is awkward, like. With Legolas and Gandalf, especially, I yeah, found that it's so it's it's it's. I'm trying to hit something. Stop shooting it. You have a staff. Use your staff. Yeah. It's some of it's frustrating, but that's. Any also, gameplay. I don't know. Have you, you you got Gollum yet? No, I've not to him yet. Oh, I know Gollum there's a trophy is, to kill Gollum as Gollum. It's so hard. <laughs> Gollum. The worst part of this whole game is the fact that when Gollum climb, he's he can climb. Oh, okay. I was wondering who can do that. All right. Because I've seen those areas. He, you, you, for some reason, when you go sideways, he wanders. It's not my stick. He wanders and he falls off all the time. So oh. I want to see if you have as much difficulty mm. crawling with him. Because up, I'm fine. It's sideways mm. whenever the L, they do the yeah. L shape and then up. Oh, my gosh. So frustrating. I fell so many times. <laughs> I was like, throw the <laughs> control. Oh, great. No. And then climbing up the top of... Uh, what was the big mountain where Mordor? Mordor, climbing, climbing to the top of Mount Doom. Mount Doom. Mount um, Doom in Mordor. Yeah. Okay. C- climbing See? to the top of Mount Doom within the map, not this, on, this not is, in the this not is not the one guys. Come on. <laughs> Obviously. Well, okay. I've seen all these movies once. I haven't read any of the books. I've, I've never been a big Lord of the Rings fan. I'm not a huge fantasy fan. It's amazing that I like Game of Thrones as much as I That's do. That's required. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fantasy. Doesn't guy. matter. It's a required. I've seen required them. reading. I haven't. I haven't read them. I haven't. But so, like the prologue, I didn't remember any of that of the game. I don't remember that from the movie at all. That was one of the few. That was one of the few times that they opened a film with a narrative that I went that totally needed that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of times I'll open a film with a narrative and I'll think, wow, if you're already opening your film with a narrative to tell me the backstory, <laughs> then this is not going to be a good film because you... You missed your boat. Exactly. And Roger Ebert said that, and I, I, I thought, man, I, I don't believe you because if Star Wars opens with a prologue, and I'm okay with that, but the, yeah, the more, but that's not the more I see that opening narrative voiceover stuff about right. this is what happened off screen that we didn't show you, I right. get very angry because right. it's I like, I too. wanted to see that. But but that was that was one of the first films that I went... But Lord of the Rings, it works. needed it. Yeah. That needed that. I mean, obviously, I, they're also covering a thousand years worth of history yeah, yeah. in the prologue. So, so this, like the Hobbit prologue, I thought worked really well, too. Yeah, but it's not as it's not as extensive. Yeah, it's I not mean, as epic. Well, as no, the, the Hobbit's not as epic of a story. Which they're sure struggling to make it. <laughs> I enjoyed the first one. I guess I'll. So I'm, I'm looking forward to playing more. That's what I'm going to be doing a lot of this week. Uh, Put some of my shows kind of on the back burner and watch maybe one a night to wind down after playing. A you know bit. what happened last time? You, I got Batman too, 
I got it, and, and then complete. I dropped off of it. You got it, completed it, and it jived. It just it's, it now you're going to pick it back up. I'm going to end up going picking this one back up now too because you're playing it. So. I I was tempted to buy it several times because it's only twenty bucks. But I'm like, uh, they don't come out at twenty. Although luckily they only come out at forty. But, but they, yeah, they, it's dropped never, since then. I'm, I'm so it's far been so long since they come out. I get to them, yeah. they're twenty bucks well, cheaper if you buy them used. Marvel, I'm excited. Just for that. my nephew, I'm gonna well, have to <laughs> for Mason too because Mason still he'll load up uh, uh, Batman two mm. because and he'll sign in on my name because I've done 100 percent. He has got every everybody. Yeah. hero, and so he likes to play it in my name because he can just go play all, as all these different heroes. So I'll, that's what that's what Audie likes to do. He's come over a couple times and the only he's not happy at dads me. because they're not all unlocked. Have, have, you, have, you, have you seen the the, the previous word? Uh, a couple it's of not just that you don't know that it's coming. It's like you've seen the preview. The preview ma- very much makes it look because it's the, the, the it's preview everybody. comes up with the bigger they are, the harder they oh, break, or something like that. that. Is that the newest one where it's uh, showcasing all the big? Well, that's characters. just it. All I saw was big characters. Yeah, that, that's that's just the latest trailer. There's okay. other trailers. They're, they're okay. Out. Yeah, that's just the latest showcasing. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see Avengers people. I didn't see Iron Man. I didn't see. Oh, it, no, know, they're, they're all in. There. Okay. Yeah, they're all in. There. Okay. Well, I figured that had to be if it's. Have you seen the picture of? Wolverine on the Rainbow Bridge, the weirdest thing. <laughs> I, 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 Wolverine went to Asgard. Yeah, it's just I see that I'm like, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> Go away, Wolverine. <laughs> Go home, Wolverine. You're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the new trailer is very much. Oh look, there's Hulk. There's Thing. There's the Blob. There's I mean, it's abomination. All, uh, Colossus. Yeah. I mean, it's all huge characters, and I'm like, where's the normal guys? <laughs> where's the ones I want to play with? Well, it's because they're they're actually larger Legos, but this is yeah. the first time they've done that because even in like Batman, but I mean like Clayface and Killer Croc, they were they, just they normal size. Yeah, they were. Well, they kind of explored but, that um, with Harry Potter with like the troll uh, and, and some of the other ones. And I'll be and, honest, and that, Lord bothered Lord Rings, Rings, they do that, that bothered me when I saw those bigger because they don't. Proportionally, they don't look right. Yeah, you're you know, right. So. I forgot about that. But it, they make them bigger physically, don't they? Yeah. Like, they physically, the toys, they make bigger versions of oh, I don't know. I haven't for seen some of the toys. toys. The I, don't. I think. Probably. I want to say, I saw when Harry Potter may have been the first one that they actually made the physical plastic bigger for the trolls or whatever. It would make sense. They still don't look right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clayface didn't really... Didn't look Lego in, the, in Batman. I don't know. It was he was weird. Um, it was the beginning of the end. Before we go back, <laughs> it was no Star Wars. Well, you can't capture magic in a bottle like that again. No. All right. Well, let's move on to new. Are you guys got anything else Lego you did Star this weekend? Wars was so good. We got. I got to get home so I can play Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm playing Mass Effect <laughs> one again. We're almost done with Game of Thrones season three. Yeah. Ooh. Got to the, the big episode, the red wedding. For those who've seen it, Although they know did, what we're talking about. I did de- download uh, from. Did I get it from Amazon. I think I did. I did download the first book of the series. I'm I'm, I'm wanting to listen or to go and read those now, right. especially in the gap between season three and four. I kind of want to try to go and tackle at least yeah. the first one, see how it is, see that's, if I like it. That's what I thought. I know I, I I probably won't get it read before I start watching the series, but because they're big books. They are thick. And there's lots of words on the beach. 
going back into school. I don't know how August. thick it I, is I because read. you know it, it's all digital. Well, <laughs> I've picked up copies and man, I, look at this file. It's like four the, gigs. Uh, <laughs> the big paperback That's version a big instead of the trade paperback it, yeah, because yeah. the trade paperback is like four inches thick. Well, it's like a Stephen King novel. And that was my my thing as I went into Barnes and Noble last week or a week ago, and I thought. I saw I saw the book. They had the books there, and I thought, oh, man, I should just buy a regular copy. I've read a real book a long time. <laughs> and then I thought, no, <laughs> you know, I'll just download it to my Kindle. I don't know how long ago it I was. I say Kindle to my iPad. I downloaded I uh, Princess of Mars. I still haven't finished it mm. because I forget. Eighty one though. I have it. It's a tiny book. I know, That's and it's on my phone. One hundred ninety pages. I forget I have it because I don't. I don't translate book to device. I just. <laughs> That's my the problem. book's not there. I can't read it. That's my that's my problem. Like comic book, I can do on my iPad yeah. because it's a visual medium. It's got a screen. I can look at it. I, I wouldn't read. Well, on I it. think uh, probably because I've been doing it longer. Yeah. I, but I did the same thing. I would forget that I well, had. Well, but these you've always been a first adapter too. Well, you like, were the first I one in the group who had an iPod. And wow, look, I've got ten thousand songs that I carry with me every day. <laughs> and movies because I had the I had and the well, it's yeah. called the classic now, but it's the version I have. Yeah. Although I had the sixty gig five uh, fourth fourth gen, which was before they actually the classic. You've actually got the oh, classic. Oh, I've got the classic. Yeah, they brand- when they branded a classic. Right. Yeah, mine's just freer than that. Yeah, mine's uh, the actual. <laughs> Mine really is a classic, and it's okay. This was a, this was a fun story. So, um, just uh, one of my background things that's going on right now is I'm working my way back through the original Battlestar Galactica. Just when I have a moment, and you know, I pull it up on Netflix or mm-hmm. pop a disc because I also own it on DVD, and so it's just kind of working yeah. my way through it. <laughs> it's a disc drive now. <laughs> it it's glorified disc drive. And uh, so I was watching an episode, and Mel and Cody kind of came in the room, and they sat down, and they were watching with. And Cody goes, "What is this show that you're watching? And why do these guys look horrible?" I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this was in the '80s, wasn't it? Look at that hair. That guy looks like a girl. Or late 70s. That's what he said. And so I was explaining those Battlestar Galactica, and I said, no, you wouldn't enjoy it. But I said, you might enjoy the new one. He goes, well, what's it about? So I kind of filled him in a little bit of the story. So I just, well, here. So I gave him the, the, the new Battlestar Galactica miniseries. And I said, just watch this. I went to bed. That was at 2 in the morning, I think, Friday night. Friday morning, you mean? Or Yeah. Thursday night. Thursday, Thursday night. Because uh, it, was, it was, yeah. So I went to bed at 2 in the morning, Thursday. I got up. And he was abed, asleep. I went to work. I came home, and I don't remember what else was going on. We did something. And I got ready for Who, and I came up for Friday Night Who, and he was watching the last episode of season one. <laughs> <laughs> he blew through the entire first season in a day. And I said, so you liked it? And he just shot me this dagger glare of, I can't, <laughs> what believe, you done you, to I can't believe you made me watch this. I can't believe you did this. And it's, of course, if you've seen it, right at the end of season one is right when Adama. And was, he was like, <gasps> I was like, well, you're going to have to turn it off because we're going to watch Doctor Who. And he just gave me another. <laughs> so he was burning his way through season two today. So there's, wow. a, there's a fun story for you. But uh, on the news. Let's move on to news. Those were the days. <laughs> Mainlining with style. <laughs> uh, first up, BBC has issued a statement on the Comic-Con trailer availability. Um, this or, no, or lack of. The lack, lack of it. Of. <laughs> uh, fans have been expressing their disappointment not being able to watch the trailer online, and they said, quote, This was an exclusive Comic-Con trailer made especially for the Doctor Who 50th panel. It has not been released in the U.S. This 
World Famous International Events is an established platform used by all the major producers. UK fans can look forward to exclusive content over the next few months. That's their official statement. And now, to rebuttal. And not just BBC, any of the other companies that haven't released the trailers that were out, that they showed, shame on you. That's all I have to say about that. It's, yeah. I mean, if you, if you, hey, look, you went to Comic-Con, here's an exclusive comic book, here's an exclusive action figure, here's an exclusive, you can only get this here. That's fine, I understand that, because that, that is a, a, a memento. The irony of it is, we can get the co- exclusive Comic-Con action figures online. Yeah. <laughs> from That's retailers. True. I mean, that's true. They're not even available at the con. You have to wait, you until, have to wait after. until after to get them. But I, I just, I, that part of it doesn't bother me. Giving them an exclusive window where you get to see something that nobody else sees. They get to see it first. That's first. why they pay. That's the key word. First. And then a week or a month or however long after the fact you want to release it to the general public. This is what you missed out on. Fine. I get that. But just to hold on to it and say, no, we only did that for this. I say fooey on you. I'm angry. <laughs> or, or in the case of Lionsgate, three hours later for the Catching Fire trailer. Yeah. Now, personally, I think that's too soon. I really do. I I, 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 I can see waiting until Monday. I, most fact, most do year, that. Most everybody had yeah, those. Yeah, most everybody This year, did though, that. hardly anybody no, has. It's they, been Catching Fire and Veronica Mars yeah, are the only two. Those have been the only two, yeah. But... Um, on if, Amazing Spider-Man. If a fan leaks this now online based on this, it's the BBC's own fault. Yeah, it really is. And, and that's too bad, because Steve... Steve. Yeah. Stephen. Stephen Mar- We're on a first, first name basis with Steve. Steve. <laughs> Stevie Moffat. Stevie Moffat and I are he go way back. Ask. He begged. He pleaded with fans not or people in that room not to leak it online. Yeah. And I think people have honored that. It's they have because the panel's shown up online. Yeah, that's and fantastic. They cut out the trailer. They cut that's out the 50th anniversary discussion. That's happened. But I tell you right now, BBC, if that happens now, it's your own fault. It's your own fault. Well, and again, it's if if you went into to Planet Comic Con and we had this panel discussion, and Moffat said, "I'm going to show you exclusive clips of this episode clips that you're not going to see anywhere yeah. else." Number Fine. one, if he was at Planet Comic Con, that would have been awesome. Oh. Or not Planet Con, yeah, <laughs> San Diego, San Diego <laughs> Comic Con. And um, you know, it's this exclusive thing. Please don't leak it on the internet because we're going to show you part of the episode. Okay, I get that. I didn't pay my money to go. I understand I'm not entitled to that. Yeah. This is a trailer, for Pete's sake. Like, they got to see the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pilot. I'm fine with him not posting that yeah, online. No, yeah, absolutely. I get that. Right. that that's, that's a line. I understand don't cross that yeah, line. But absolutely. this is a trailer. It makes me wonder if it has something to do with the BBC licensing because of the fact that they, they they're, it doesn't work like it does over here where it's public purview. It's... Well, and to the UK. I, that's I, why that's why they had to release this statement because a lot of people were upset and in specifically the UK in the UK because well, they, was, thought, they thought it had been released in the in America and that we've had you know yeah. access to it and based on the laws and legality of the way that their television system works where everybody over there pays for a license in order to watch television uh, public uh, television then if we got something over here then that would be Pretty bad, but yeah. uh, exclusively over here. If that was the but, case, but it isn't. It's not the case. And, and it's my understanding that Moffat had to go in and really, really bend some arms at the BBC to get this trailer, basically, mm. to go over here. But 
Well, you know what I would say to that? I would say, you know what? If they had given something to the U.S. audience that was an exclusive, you can only watch it on BBC America, and you can't watch it in the U.K. because of the television line thing, we'd upload it for you. (laughs) Here. (laughs) I mean... Really, I mean, somebody in America would go, you know what, it's not fair that England doesn't get to yeah. see this. I say it's not fair that San Diego got to see it, and none of the rest of us did. Yeah. That's my opinion Us on and that. the U.K. Us and the U.K. We're getting... <laughs> Speaking of the 50th, it's going to be broadcast simultaneously worldwide, Well, according to the BBC. The BBC, has, have you got that in front of you now? Yeah, I mean, BBC that's... Worldwide has confirmed that the special is being shown around the world at the same time. That's incredible. In a statement, they said, It's always been our ambition to work with our broadcast partners so that the international Doctor Who fans can enjoy the 50th anniversary special at the same time. Is that everywhere? Okay. that include the uh, Australia? Because they're the ones that always get it like a... Week later, yeah, it's gonna, yeah, and they're all day ahead of everybody. They're gonna have more details (laughs) soon, but uh, from so if it airs at eight o'clock in the UK, according according to the sun, it's gonna air two o'clock here. Yeah, and it'll be six a.m. in Sydney the next day. (laughs) I gotta get up at six a.m. Hey, mate, you getting up tomorrow to watch today? (laughs) Doctor Who. You bloody right I am. <laughs> it's really I don't cool have to wait a week, mate. <laughs> a terrible Australian <laughs> Yours was better than mine. It's cool that they're doing this. There are so another that... shrimp on the barbie. We're watching Doctor Who for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've all experienced of the, oh, we got to stay off social media for s- seven hours mm-hmm. until it yeah. airs here. Yeah. So it's cool that yeah. they're doing this. The thing is, that's a massive undertaking. Unless, unless they, uh, for some reason, cut the commercials out here, though, if they when they air it on BBC America, it'll be over in the UK before it's over here. Yeah, well, maybe since it's a special, we could still be spoiled. That's true. That's true. If during the commercials you got on social media, (laughs) (laughs) oh no, I guess we're not holding a tweet along to the (laughs) fifties. Because ours will likely be two hours with commercials, and if they're, they're saying movie well, length, yeah, well, we don't know for sure. But he's saying movie length. But I'm, I'm gonna, I'm averaging that at one thirty because that's a, <laughs> that's what God, movies used so to be. So weird to watch Doctor Who with commercials, <laughs> wouldn't it? Only if they build a little mini cliffhangers before. I, <laughs> I watch it with commercials now when I watch it on BBC America. I, I just wait for the DVDs. Oh, oh, is that how you watch? That's it? how I watch it. <laughs> I mainline it. <laughs> you used to. I used to drive me nuts. Oh, yeah, that's still, you're killing me with this week-to-week business. I could be holding off. I could be not knowing anything until the 50th anniversary, no, and then a week beforehand, I'd start no, going, no, 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 season seven. And you could, somebody would have come along and said, hey. Are your, um, I just blanked on his name. Oh, yeah, that guy. Him? Really? James hasn't seen season seven. Who's been yeah. joining in for Friday Night Who? Any of season seven. Yeah, really? James hasn't seen yeah. any of season seven yet. And I felt bad because we started discussing some of it. And then I went, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> started discussing the there name of the doctor. <laughs> I forgot that. James. Medina. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. He's, um, I can't think of his Twitter handle right now. He's Tony Stark. I didn't realize. He's Tony Stark I did not realize that that was James. That's James? Yeah. Oh, I'll be doing Okay. That's why you should come more often. Well, oh, is he at your house? Yeah, yeah he oh. comes over. 
He comes your over. house is getting crowded. That's why I've been staying home. <laughs> oh, whatever. No, I'm serious. <laughs> it's not very comfortable anymore. Not that I don't like the people that are there, but there's not very many seating options. And oh, we'll move Keith doesn't then. like to share the couch. So. <laughs> I tend to stretch out. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's beer at my house. There's you could, you beer could, you could sit house. with me, but I cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so simulcast, yay. Woot. Now, I'm wondering how that... This is the one problem I have with this announcement, because this was initially released by The Sun, and we thought, eh, no way, it's not real. But then BBC confirmed it after the sun broke it. So now it's like, oh, okay, that's real. How does this play in with their Doctor Who will be played in theaters? Uh, I, is that a question? I don't know. Are, are they, they, I, they, I thought they the same thing. Uh, I thought, when does plans? the theater thing happen? Because are you going to you know show something on free? Are we getting it? And have you, has it been confirmed that it's worldwide theaters? I haven't seen I've it. I still haven't heard, seen it. I've still only heard that it's in the UK. But still, even in the, even if you're in the UK, how does that work? Because I would think that that would be again part of that special TV licensing thing. Oh well, it's 3D in theaters, so it doesn't well, count. Well, they have but 3D on TV, they, too. Yeah, they have 3D on TV. But they've also done... They, they've done uh, special screenings of the series before it comes out. Now, I don't think they can charge them when they let them see it in the theater. Because if it's... Think about this. If it's worldwide in 3D theaters, does that mean... Because once it airs, it's aired. We got to see it for free. Why would you go to the theater and pay for it unless you're a big Doctor Who fan? So they have to, to re- they have to release it early to theaters That's what I'm for thinking. it to make financial sense. But the moment you release it early to theaters, you have now put the genie out there for people to go in and camcord or illegally get a copy and upload it, and you've ruined the surprise for the big, gigantic simulcast. I don't understand how yeah, this I'm is all sure supposed to work. work. What's their simulcasting in theaters, too? Ooh. <laughs> which Which... Makes me even obvious. I, don't, I just I don't see it coming here. The logistical I, undertaking of trying to tackle that. Yeah. I mean, more power to them if they can get it to work. But crazy. And our last bit of news. I'm surprised he's not on your uh, shelf yet. Although he's probably not out yet. No, oh, he's not out yet. Oh, he's not. He's know. not. August something. Isn't it? August 25th. They're releasing a Doctor Who. Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> I'm still getting this. I, ha- I haven't seen a punny this, name for it this yet. This is an official play school Potato Head, right? Yes, yeah, it's official, it's play, official school. play school. Yeah. And it's a Doctor Who. Yes, mm-hmm. it's Matt Smith's Doctor, the it's 11th, the with the Fez. Well, that's a, a mop? That's a failing right no, there. No, he doesn't have a mop. Because if he it's has a, a Sonic. Tr- if it's a true Mr. Potato Head, you ought to be able to open up his back compartment, which well, should be bigger on the inside than the out. He should have <laughs> customizable pieces oh, for all wait. of the doctors. It's the Mr. Potato Head interpretation of the 11th daughter, Doctor, as played by Mash Smith. With the removable parts, you can customize the last survivor of Gallant Fry uh, uh, to your heart's content. Uh, uh, so we don't know what kind of accessories. Like the Vader one, it didn't come with extra stuff. No, he didn't. No, but it was he just the helmet. He doesn't regenerate. Uh-huh. <laughs> the doctor, if it's Doctor Mister Potato Head, he should come with Doctor Mister Potato Head. He should come with uh, you know. <laughs> it's going to be a uh, sixteen pounds. He should come with curly hair and a scarf. That's he a heavy, should come with a heavy piece. Sixteen. Pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I got That's this. What you did there. <laughs> It's a life-size potato. <laughs> it's a real potato. I'm going to call fail on uh, on the the licensing department for this because it should have been a potato head strax. <laughs> well, um, they're 
probably testing the waters. If the doctor, if you're going to put something out, it's going to be the doctor. <laughs> the water should be boiling. <laughs> I mean, you, you get a license, you put the doctor out, see how that sells, and then you bring out other characters. I mean, so we they, did, they didn't jump in the stormtroopers That's right true. away. They they Vader and said, and then eventually Spider Man. And that's true. So are we going to get a, uh, a River Song Mrs. Potato Head? Maybe. I mean, that to me would be the most, the next logical step. <laughs> what? No, I, yeah, I just that's. Fine. I haven't seen the U.S. release date. I'm assuming it's the same. Speaking of which, this is one of the SDCC exclusives. Oh, the comic. Oh, this is a, uh, the Potato Head is a Comic Con exclusive. Oh, yep. well. oh well, it'll be available on every corner retail store next week. No, it won't. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's thanks. How much? You said sixteen pounds. That's a heavy potato. I don't think I could eat all that at lunch. <laughs> I'd need a lot of sour cream for that potato. 16 pounds is like 32 bucks. That's an expensive potato. Well, actually, 16 I think the Darth Vader mashed potatoes were uh, 26. 26. Mm-hmm. So Seems about right. Factoring in the British. Seen a, you know. <laughs> yeah, thirty six ninety nine according to... It's not British. I'm sure play school here in oh, the United e- States is making it. eBay has it for 29 but Just the fact that Ooh. it's a Doctor Who toy all of a sudden makes it British and yeah. expensive. <laughs> You know how that goes. Exotic. Expensive to us. It's an import. Twenty nine ninety five, according to the movie and TV store dot com. I have a deck of cards that says Doctor Who Fan Club America with the Lionheart logo on it. Why are you charging forty nine ninety nine? It's an import. That's <laughs> <laughs> the way it works. All right, let's move on to feedback. Are you sure you want to do that? Yep. Okay. Did you get a message? Doctor Who Six was played by Sawbones Hex with problems and trials that besieged him all the way. This is feedback from rows and rows of the finest Whovians all writing in to have their say. Doc number six really shined in big finish stuff with his companions following right behind. We got more than a thousand males spring up, coming in like stales with comments of every shape and kind. <laughs> you said we have rows and rows, and I thought I, I pictured rows. <laughs> Not like a row, Not like a row. rows. It's feedback from rows and rows <laughs> of the finest Whovians. I thought it was Rose Tyler. Don't be silly. <laughs> All right. First bit of feedback. <laughs> because for Colin Baker's doctor, what else could you go but the bombastic nature of the music man? That's true. <laughs> Our first bit of feedback comes from Mark. He sent in some audio, so let's take a listen. Hello? Is this working? Um, hello, guys. I'm not sure if you can hear me, as there is a fan on in the background, because the heat is quite hot over here at the moment which is a nice you know change from the usual so i've been re-listening to your old episodes lately while i'm on summer summer vacation that's right yeah so well summer break or staycation is what it basically is which is a great word which i've learned from you guys staycation we don't really use the word vacation over here in britain apart from you know, the song Vacation by Simple Plan, I don't really think I've ever heard it before. But 
Staycation is a fantastic word and it's being introduced to my vocabulary, so thank you very much for that one. So, re-listening to your old podcasts, I came across a conversation about M. Sean's ex-wives and like dodging them around Kansas and stuff. And I was in hysterics about, you know, how open you guys are about your personal lives. And it's very relatable and very funny. So, you know, well done for that. I'm not sure what, maybe I was trying to hum the How I Met Your Mother theme tune. Something I've been meaning to say to you guys for a while is I find it really confusing how you confuse myself and Alex. I meant amusing, not confusing. When we both started listening to the podcast, he was like my best mate, but I don't really see him anymore. We're both very busy. But I do know why we've both been lacking in feedback lately. I've been having one or two women trouble, and Alex is trekking across India. Which I think is rather cool, and I'm quite jealous of him at the moment. Not sure why he's doing it. He's doing it with a group of people, of course, not just by himself. But yeah, he'll be back soon. And I'm sure you'll get feedback about it, all his brilliant experiences. But his friend Adam, my friend Adam, went with him and he shaved his head. You know, like um, like Shane of Shaun of the Dead, just after he went crazy. Head completely shaved, didn't look right. So, I haven't really sent him feedback since Clara was introduced to the series, and I absolutely love her. And I'm really looking forward to see how her relationship works with the Twelfth Doctor. I imagine it in, you know, when me and Alex made Doctor Who reincarnated, when we was planning for the 14th Doctor's regeneration, we was going to introduce a companion named Abigail, who we called Abby. And then when the 14th Doctor became the 15th, he'd, you know, he'd name, he'd address Abby, he'd address Abby as Abigail. So, you know, those little, you know, differences between the two Doctors, and I really hope Stephen Moffat does it well, because like he said in interviews, one wrong move and the show is over. I'd probably still watch it. I think we all would, but, you know... The show's conquered America now, and from such a little show from, you know, November 22nd, 1963, it's became huge. And I really hope Caston does well, and doesn't hire... I was trying to name a bad celebrity, but then Hughes wouldn't get that reference, and... What's an American... Hmm... You won't know who Dean Gaffney is. Um, much more. Okay, say if Stephen Moffat hires Kim Kardashian to be the next Doctor, the show's over. Actually, I don't think it No, I wouldn't watch the show. So, just be careful, Moffat. I know you listen to this, so... Careful. So, in... Over here and across the pond, I think the latest news is Princess Catherine has just gone into labour. I don't know if that's as heavily publicised over in America as it is here. I don't really have that much of an interest in it because I think the royal family is an outdated concept. And I can... I I hope 
government forces aren't listening to this or anything, but I can sense a revolution coming over here in Britain within the next 10-15 years. It's just, the royal family was useful in the 16th you know, century. Now, I think it needs to go. So I'm going to be spending this summer just being young and finishing series 2 of the um, sitcom I'm writing at the moment. I've got like 3 scripts to finish and I'm hoping to do that by the end of the summer. I'm also going to plan on going to the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff with a few friends which should be fun and I'm hoping to get all my films and stuff watched so it's going to be a good summer. So, have a good summer, guys. Don't do anything the doctor wouldn't do. Hmm. I need a t-shirt saying that. Anyway, have a good summer, and I will look forward to hearing your next episode. Or this episode. Wibbly wobbly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> he also sent a bit of text with his email. Feedback, EST1895. 1885, that's the day the doc went back in time. 1895. <laughs> 18, oh, that doesn't work. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. <laughs> Dean Gaffney is a bit of a failed actor over here across the pond, but he's only, popu he's only in popular culture up here. Hi, guys. I'm thinking of suffering a heat stroke this during this feedback. I think I became the leader of a revolution halfway through. Oh, and I said confusing instead of amusing. I think I fixed it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Well, we do understand that it's been quite hot over there yeah. <laughs> recently. In fact, you're, we're getting your weather here, and you're getting our weather over there. So, uh, I, I, always, I thought it was cute. I, I'm sorry I, at, at your expense, Mark and others in the UK. I really thought it was cute when some people were posting. Oh my gosh, 92 degrees! It's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, aren't you cute? <laughs> in most Julys, 92 is a low <laughs> in Kansas. Yes. Not this year, but. Most years in Kansas, 92 is low. You'll bring it about. <laughs> um, sounds like you have some good plans for summer. I have to say, though, Mark, the, the only time we talk about personal lives, we really only talk about Sean's personal life. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That's true. <laughs> Sean's very open. Do you talk about your ex-wives that much? We have. <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I want to say he does bring it up. As often as anybody else. Yeah, I think that's true. When you're as <laughs> what was that? That's the my Sims game in the background. You're simming. I am simming. I'm playing The Sims. Okay. I am touched by the amount of dedication and <laughs> and attention you, you are giving our podcast at this moment. Oh, hey, wait! It's birthday time. I've got to do this. I'm sorry. Oh no! Oh, I wasn't supposed to hit the cake yet. Oh, you failed. Oh, no, it worked. Okay, never mind. I got, I'm good. Oh, and I got mail, too. <laughs> You've got mail. Uh, oh, okay, back. All right, back, sorry. Back to back to Mark. <laughs> sorry. And Mark I had to get that birthday done because I have a goal where I have to have two preteens jumping on the bed at the same time. And I only have had one preteen for like six days. Now I have two. The toddler just became a preteen. They grew up so fast. They do. <laughs> 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 Getting a glare from Sean. I'd rather talk about my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> Not my imaginary family. 
I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I don't know how you balance all of this. I, re- I really, I'm really envious of the fact that you clearly I don't do a good job because it popped up in the middle of this podcast. You lead these double lives. Does Holly know? She does know. She's got her own family on the side. In fact, my our, my whole family is playing Sims right now. I have a Sims going. Caitlin has a Sims going, and Holly has a Sims going, and we've all been really excited about it because now we they they just introduced a patch where you can go visit each other's place. Well, Mason, he's felt so left out, so we went and downloaded The Sims onto Holly's Kindle. Now, unfortunately, he can't get online because he doesn't have a Facebook account, but we've downloaded Sims on and he's past Caitlin now playing The Sims. So Holly has to go like out when he's in bed and make money for him on the... So have his Sims make money because he doesn't quite grasp that concept, but... So he's playing Sims. And now. I so got we're laughed all at for playing Sims. Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the Sims is at least like no. Now. <laughs> no. No, the, the, the Sims, Sims were like 10 years ago. Wow. The graphics are at least now. That's what I mean. <laughs> Minecraft graphics are really old. But that's part of the charm and the allure. That's the irony of, the of Minecraft. Yeah, it's part, it's part, I think that's more, more. It's not charm and allure, it's irony. It's part of the gag. <laughs> they know what they're doing. So anyway, Mark, <laughs> it sounds like you're enjoying your staycation. I'm glad we and were able to introduce a new word to your vocabulary. We got as much news about the baby as you guys did, oh, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Keith and I in news, I mean, we sit here and watch all this national stuff come in and just all the time, and it's just baby, 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 baby. We're on constant baby watch for like yeah. two weeks beforehand. Oh, my gosh. We got sick of it. And she has had it now. She has had it. We've yes. seen it. We know the name. It was a V baby. The the, 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 the best <laughs> had a big forked lizard tongue. That the shot best out of it. meme I ever saw posted on the internet was uh, it was it's American. It's it's a shot of the Revolutionary War with George Washington on a horse and he's leading the troops, and the caption says, "We fought and won the American Revolution, so that we don't have to care about the Royal Navy." <laughs> <laughs> That's my sentiment exactly. <laughs> I, I know that we have Anglophiles that listen. And I know that some of I them know. were very, very excited. Yeah, I know a particular to, one that, that had it queued up and were. In fact, she sent feedback this week. So. May have had it on during Friday night too. <laughs> and I wish them all the best with that. And I'm glad that the baby was born healthy and that everybody's happy. Apparently, and I don't care. Well, okay. well congratulations was, to William and Kate. That's that's wait, it's what's, wonderful news for them. What's William's brother? <laughs> Did you see the meme with Scar and? No, I didn't. what is William's brother? I can't remember the brothers. Name now. <laughs> but apparently, his he was reaction, huge in the news because he was naked in Vegas. What the heck? Apparently, his, his reaction to the baby was pretty priceless. Yep. It's a baby. <laughs> Even he wasn't excited about his own nephew. There's, there's, there's a meme going on where it's 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 him and it's and it's Scar and the next one and it's like, yeah, I was next in line until the little brat came along. <laughs> uh, so a, a revolution's brewing. That ought to be exciting for you. <laughs> And enjoy the Doctor Who experience. If you're going very soon, maybe you'll run into Brenda. Yeah. Yeah. That would be trippy, wouldn't it? It would be trippy. That'd be really Because cool. by this time next week, she'll be there. Brenda? Mark, Mark, Brenda. I've just introduced you to uh, over the podcast. Well, he joined so. in for Friday Night Who. Well, Brenda didn't, though. Mark did. No, Brenda didn't, though, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Mark was there 
Mark was there. He's, he's, 6 a.m. in the he morning. He set a goal to do it all yeah. summer. Yeah. All his summer. I don't know when his summer starts, but... I, I, apparently it just started. <laughs> <laughs> he's been enjoying it. He's, he's, he's on a tear already. Yeah, it was it was amazing because he came on earlier in the afternoon, and I, I think I mentioned something to him, and he said, "Yeah, I was going to try. I'm, I'm going to try to be there tonight." And I was like, "Wow, that's great!" Because you're either staying up really super late, or you're, <laughs> you're getting setting up. an alarm and getting up super early. So, did he say what you did? Uh, I didn't ask. I didn't think to ask. He was just I should have. He just he showed up. It was a good said, It was a good short episode. He said, episode up the DVD now," too. and I thought, "Wow, that's awesome." And, and I apologize, Mark, because it, it didn't really. <laughs> Register? Yeah. I was just like, oh, hey, Mark's here. Didn't even dawn on me that it might be dawn over there. <laughs> just, it was dawning on him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so good to hear from you, Mark. And uh, I hope Alex has fun in his travels. And uh, uh, either I forget. His hair grows back quickly. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. Apparently, he, yeah. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna over in the, the Indian. Isn't that where that's popular? Uh, is Krishna popular in India? Yeah, probably. I think everything's popular in India. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's Hindu and Muslim in India. I'm I, sure I, there are. Really. I, I hope he has fun on his trip and uh, comes back quickly so that you guys can get back to writing Doctor Who Reincarnated. Yes. That's what I hope. I'm being selfish. <laughs> <laughs> I want more. I suppose I could write it myself. <laughs> well, you did write You've the one. one. I did write one. Well, I haven't Maybe finished. you should do another submission. I haven't finished our fan series yet. I feel kind of bad. I told you. Oh, guys. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. you were doing that. Well, you haven't read any of them yet. So. Yeah, I have. I read the first two. Did you? Yeah. Really? Yes. I thought you were blocked because you. Well, apparently, I missed this because the last I heard that you couldn't get yeah, it because you hadn't, read, you hadn't Cyberman read Cyberman Bob. No, no. Remember, I was. Well, you read the first one. You hadn't that. read no. the second one. I, I hadn't. Yeah, I've read the second one oh. since then. No, have you so. posted the third? No, I finally okay. figured well, out. Okay, there you <laughs> go. Then I'm not behind. I'm caught. No, you're caught. Because I'm behind. I thought maybe there was a third one out there I hadn't seen yet. No, there's a third one up here. And mostly here. I just need to finish it. He's gesturing to his head and computer. Two separate entities. Not... <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> he wishes it would be one and the same, so he wouldn't have to type it up. I've seen his computer. All it's matrix. as scatterbrained as, his, as he is. I, I don't have partition drives up here. <laughs> it's actually probably in a little better shape than mine. All right. Up next, on Duck Phil. On Duck Phil writes, feedback submitted. It's kind of a lame like title, a, Phil. Like a, I, was I really think it's expecting. like an a, uh, achievement. <laughs> achievement achievement unlocked. unlocked. Comment, question, question, comment. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, Hoopikins. Sorry it's been a while. I had this problem with getting through episode 133. Every time I'd hear the Flash Gordon theme, I'd have to put down my iPod and go put in my special edition Alex Ross cover art Flash Gordon <laughs> DVD back for another viewing. I tell you, the awesomeness of that movie breaks down as 40% Queen, 40% Brian Blessed, 20% everybody else. Sorry, Timothy and Max, numbers don't lie. <laughs> don't you suppose that's... Dun, 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 dun. That's oh, I'll bet that is. I'll bet that is. I haven't read this okay. yet. <laughs> All right, I'll reread it. Comment, question, question, comment. Dun, 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 dun. I now I feel compelled it. to go, Flash! <laughs> ah! Let me get my who, st- my who-related stuff out of the way first, before the tangents begin in earnest. Well, this is a backwards idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Doctor Who on a Doctor Who podcast. Given that the 50th is going to give us a heaping helping of 10 and 11 interaction... I was wondering what Dr. Duo you guys would most like to see on screen and what we really haven't seen yet. 
Given Matt's fondness for McCoy, I was thinking a 7-Eleven would be fun. Your thoughts? Glenn? Glenn's pondering. Keith? Eight and anybody. <laughs> Fair enough. I just want to see eight back on the screen. Two and eleven would be cool. Two and eleven would be look. It'd be cool, but they'd almost they'd be so much alike. It'd I be think interesting that, to I see think it'd be how really really cool the, the giddiness between the two because <laughs> they're so much. Alike. I want to see two and eleven together doing the Abbott and Costello shtick, <laughs> <laughs> like where he's in the video waving to Amy that it was actually that wasn't Abbott and Costello, but or no, yeah. No. no. It was Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. Or Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> um, where he's in the video waving to, to Amy and Rory, but it was actually Patrick Troughton's doctor manning the camera. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want that adventure. Uh, I don't know. That'd be fun. Four and six. <laughs> but the bakers be together, the two bakers yeah. together would be interesting. Um, <clears throat> Nine and six would be interesting. Purely based on the big finish stuff that we've heard, six and seven, I think, mm-hmm. have such. Yeah. Oh, yeah. six and seven have that same kind thing of had, going yeah. that, that two and two three, and three had. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be neat. Um, nine and six would be kind of an interesting. That's what I said. That's what you just said. said? I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. I'm sorry. To I wasn't again. listening to you again. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> um. um well, it, just from what we've listened to, seeing the five, six, seven on screen together would be neat. Yeah, I think so. Based yeah, off the audios alone. Yeah. And then throwing eight in the mix. And then having ten and eleven there. I mean, what do you, greedy. Because Sirens of Time, that's the best part of it, is when the five when, when the when three, the three of, them of them are together. together. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about one and eleven? What kind of just utter... One, <laughs> one with any of them. Uh, so I, well, I guess we've seen one with... Two and three, and five. Uh, can you just imagine the the constant, unending dressing down that Matt Smith's <laughs> doctor would take from Hartnell? I think Hartnell would do that to any of them, though, because he I, essentially does. And the other in the multi doctor stories that we have him in, he's essentially talking down to everyone the entire yeah. time. So, <laughs> be almost interesting to see one and nine. Well, he was, I think it was, he was almost nine back down from one yeah, because he's so intimidated. He was almost fond of. Five though, yeah, the five yeah, doctors, but, but, but he still has that air of young man, you know. You're, yeah. you're not <laughs> but just because Matt Smith is so affable and, and goofy, and uh, you know, he's the Tigger. Yeah. The, the, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just I, I think Hartnell would Hartnell's doctor would be really on him about <laughs> do up your pants. <laughs> What's with the fez? What's with the fez? <laughs> Take that off your head. You look, you're making me look ridiculous. I just... I don't know. I don't know. I, I disagree. I think the first Doctor and the Eleventh Doctor would get a, get together really, really well. Get together. You think? Yeah. I think one in ten would be the conflict. Would be the... because be, Stop be, running well, around. Be, that's just it. Because, because Ted Stop has this really use, youthful Doctor in contrast to Eleven's... Uh, very manic, but old but in a young old. body. In a young in a body. body. Okay. Yeah, so I think they would be kindred spirits, whereas ten and one would be clashing all the time. You know, because it would be more of a "Hey, young man, don't do that" type of thing. You know, or it'd be, it'd be what, you know, what are you, why are you wearing tennis shoes? You know, that kind of thing. Quit jumping on the bed. <laughs> yeah, quit jumping on the bed. Th- those kind of things. This isn't the Sims game. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I think that would be more of the issue there. Hmm. Listeners, let us know what you think. Absolutely. All right, tangents incoming, he continues. One, world's finest. I called it. I so called it. Sean is my witness. I am. I, he called it. And, by the way, World's Finest is the name of the episode of Superman the Animated Series where they finally crossed over Batman and Superman. Well, that's aptly named because that was the, in the Silver Age, that's what the comic was called. Oh, it was, was it? Okay. Yeah, that World's Finest. Not fin- being a comic book. No, no, no. Writer, that's, that's the cool thing. In fact, that, that impresses me more that they crossed over and that was the name of the episode because World's Finest was actually a line by DC back in the I was uh, back in the Silver Age, at least the late Silver Age, and, the, and they were continually Batman and Superman mm-hmm. teamed up, and often Batman, Superman, and Robin. In fact, I have a World's Finest. Unfortunately, comic. when they brought it out to DVD, they renamed it the Batman Superman movie. Oh, which is that is the lamest title ever. Wouldn't surprise me if that's what Warner Brother goes with. Oh God, the Batman Superman movie! I would boycott it on general <laughs> principles. Um. Uh, Sean is my witness. And this, this is what I've been waiting for for so long. Yes, I want the Justice League, obviously. But these are by far my two favorite comic book heroes. They're such great foils for each other. I started as a Marvel reader, loved the X-Men books, but got tired of the constant shifting every year or so as a new writing team with a, uh, would equal a new direction. Then came Bruce Timm and Paul Dini in the animated DC Universe, and I was hooked. I went back and read some amazing trade paperbacks and have been an avid DC fan ever since. To finally see the Man of Steel and the Dark Knight on screen together, to see the shield overlapping the bat from the Comic-Con pictures, I got chills. There is, of course, a chance this could all turn out like a Space Buffalo Merca (laughs) team-up. Mark, that's who I want to see. That's who I want to see on the teamed up on screen. The Merca has too Forget much pride to team up I with the Space Buffalo. The space buffalo. <laughs> I want to see the Space Buffalo riding in well, battle on one, a Merca. I want to see the Merca kill ten, the Space Buffalo. That's who one and ten have to battle. The team up of the Merca and the Space Buffalo. <laughs> I want to see him saddle the Merca and ride into battle with a lance and a flag. I'm the Space Buffalo. I'm the Space Buffalo. I never went to school. <laughs> Mark, there's your new assignment. You're on staycation. <laughs> Create that for us. But I'm going to remain optimistic. <laughs> I swear I chimed in on this in a previous feedback. Mongol, DC, is a ripoff of Thanos, Marvel, who is a ripoff of Darkseid. There you go. DC. <laughs> a quote from Thanos creator Jim Starling. Kirby had done the New Gods, which I thought was terrific. He was over at DC at the time. I came up with some things that were inspired by that. You'd think that Thanos was inspired by Darkseid, but that was not the case when I showed up. In my first Thanos drawings, if he looked like anybody, it was Metron. I had all these different gods and things I wanted to do, which became Thanos and the Titans. Roy Thomas took one look at the guy in the Metron-like chair and said, Beef him up. If you're going to steal one of the New Gods, at least rip off Darkseid. He's the really good one. Now, is that what I said last week? No, you said it opposite. You yeah. said that Darkseid was a ripoff we of Thanos. You. And we corrected you. Okay. And he's he's validating, he's, he's validating what we it. said. Okay. But I think you got what he told you back. I, I think, think that's probably it, because so. I, I frequently do that. Because ultimately, that's what... So it was, it was Phil, because I don't think you said last week who told you that. Yeah, it must have been, so. been just, Phil. I just flip-flopped. flipped on it. I apologize, Phil. I got it wrong again. And while I'm sure your viewing schedules are full enough as it is, may I suggest Avatar The Last Airbender, if you haven't seen the show yet. 
Last I checked, it was on Netflix, and it's better than any animated show has a right to be. Then again, the flavor <laughs> may disagree with your palates, though I have yet to meet someone who watched it and didn't like it. And that's the show, not the movie. Oh, sweet, merciful Voltan, don't ever, ever watch the movie. <laughs> Glenn raised his hand. Um, it's, I don't hate it, but Caitlin used to actually walk, to watch it because it aired on Nickelodeon. You would be the one. Yeah. <laughs> you, Caitlin watched you would it. be that guy. Caitlin watched it from time to time. We never watched it like continuously, but she watched it from time to time because it aired on Nickelodeon here. And I didn't hate it. It was one of those shows that, unlike some shows she would watch on Nickelodeon that I just couldn't stand. It would be playing and I would be fine with it, but I didn't particularly enjoy the stories and I didn't think they were very good. Now, hmm. that might come from the fact that we were seeing bits and pieces because it looked very unepisodic. It looks very serial. It's very serial. And of course, everything that I know about Airbender but it was Starbender has come from Phil, who has been on me to watch this <laughs> show for like five years. The, now but individually, the episodes that I saw were not very enjoyable to me. And they were very Japanese animation, and I'm not a fan of Japanese animation. So, I mean, they're not not near as you know edgy as like Bebop and those kind of things, but they they still have that. Yeah, it's it's still anime. Phil, another good one. If you like Tron Legacy, Tron Uprising is phenomenal, and it's the sting of that not getting more episodes is making me not go to any other cartoon shows at the moment. <laughs> Did they officially say no more? No, they just haven't said anything. It's on hiatus. Yeah, they just it's on an eighteen month hiatus. <laughs> we should look up if that BBC controller is now working for Disney. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. He signs off odd Dive Phil. PS Pacific Rim was short on plot, had little character development, and was awash with typical tropes. However, it was also rife with giant monsters and giant robots slugging it out. I heartily approve. <laughs> as long as it has more plot than Transformers. It's on my list. Everybody I've talked to has seen that one. I've heard it doesn't have more plot than Transformers, but because of the two things that he just said, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I've heard it's just They say that about playing Transformers, too, and it matters to me. Who's next? Thank you, Phil. Up next is Michelle. Hey, you remember. (laughs) Michelle writes, Fan Expo (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys. Just checking in on... Or just checking in to let you know that the interview went well, and I think I will let. Yeah, and I think. All right, excuse me. <laughs> let me start over because she doesn't think that. Just checking in let, to let you know the interview went, I think, well, and I'll let you know more when I hear back from them. Michelle. P.S. I wouldn't object if you decided to come up here for the convention, and I would enjoy <laughs> meeting you if you did. <laughs> when is the Canada uh, Fan Expo? Uh, like August. two weeks. Yeah. Ain't happening, Michelle. <laughs> but we expressed that we really wanted to go. We really wanted. We started go. reading the, yeah. the guest list, and maybe next year, incredible. We can we can plan something, and we can be the American guests for the Canadian Fan Expo. <laughs> it's August twenty second. I'm sure the they 25th. have a lot of American guests at the Canadian Fan. Well, they but, weren't all Canadians. But, on but, that but list. I, I bet they don't have any uh, American Doctor Who podcasts. I bet they do. I bet radio, somebody from Radio Freak Charles Carr was there. They're, but they're Maybe not, not American podcasts, are they? Aaron Edmonton. Aren't they all Canadian Radio Freak Charles, Canadian. It's, oh, I see what you're saying. They don't have an American They don't podcast. have an American I gotcha. Doctor Who podcast. I, I, just, I just had Doctor Who podcast. And why would they? But <laughs> <laughs> I would, yeah, if I had money and time and if I had an abundance oh. of both, I would, yeah. Oh. What? Get ready to be disappointed that we're not going. World record attempt. Largest gathering of Daleks at Fan Expo. Ooh. Ooh. 
awesome picture. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Do you imagine? It'd be like when they look down into the the central core of the planet on Planet of the Daleks, where they're all sleeping. Yeah. You know? You look down in there and there's just thousands of Daleks. In and there. they're all cardboard. Yeah. Or, or, or them all coming out of the... No, those were all models. <laughs> and, then all, and then, you know, or all of them coming out of the Genesis arc and... and uh, uh, yeah, uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that story. <laughs> Doomsday and uh, ooh, apparently the last one in that series. Parting the way? No. Uh, Army, Goodbye uh, to Ar- Army of Ghosts. Doomsday. Army of Ghosts. They're, they're, they're even yeah. allowing people in Dalek costumes. So like a Dalek dress? Uh, no, no, that doesn't count. No, that doesn't count. <laughs> we have just alienated every one of our listeners that no, dresses Daleks I, I, in well, Dalek if, dresses. If you want to dress to, as a Dalek, that's for a very Dalek cool, clever costume. thing. But for a Dalek. It largest must, gathering of the I base mean. of the costume must be a decahedron. The panels rising from the base of the middle must have a minimum of four hemispherical protrusions. <laughs> the costume must contain an eye stock mounted on the dome at the head of the costume. The costume must be, must contain a gun mount and a telescopic manipulator or recognizable representations thereof. Well, they got pretty specific with their rules, so <laughs> essentially, you got to be inside a dog. As long as you're Go Fan Expo a, Canada. It was a decahedron, man. <laughs> Maybe I wonder, it doesn't say how many they need, though. I wonder if Moose knows about this. He could take Dalek Bob. Up. Yeah, he just finished Dalek Bob. It looks great. Did you see the pictures see today the pictures that he posted yeah. where they were at all, Ozfest? Yeah, and they're all in it. They're all crawling in it. <laughs> I, I, maybe we can. Maybe ooh. Maybe, maybe maybe Moose could smuggle one of us across the border in Dalek Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not illegal. <laughs> it's Canada. <laughs> It's not like we're going to Czechoslovakia. You it's like going to Wisconsin. You haven't watched that episode of Wonderfalls, have you? No, I haven't. Did you hear about the guy in Detroit? He got really, really drunk. He drank eight beers, got really drunk, and swam across Lake Michigan over to Canada and caused some like international incident. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> I saw it at work. And he, he was on apologizing the other day. I mean, I guess they were like, like Homeland Security came down on him, and it was a, this big international incident because he swam across Lake Michigan to Canada <laughs> on a dare. Right? <laughs> his buddy said he couldn't do it. So at beer eight, he got really, really brave and did. And he made it. <laughs> How wide is that river? It's, it's a, a lake. lake. Oh, like uh, it's gosh, a great I lake. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's you can see Canada from yeah, Detroit. From Detroit. You, you know, see. you can see it across the. Because when we were flying from Chicago, still out of Chicago, we were over land for a while. And I, from the plane, I couldn't see anything. Or over water, I couldn't see anything. I don't know. Well, if you fly over the big part of it, it's. I think that's it's big. It's probably the part I was flying over. Well, I, I'm just I'm just saying that it, it is a great lake for a reason. Yeah, it's, oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. The second, okay, here we no, go with no. the geography again. <laughs> it's Superior, Superior, Ontario, Michigan. So it's the third largest. I think it's the of, the, of, of the of the Great Lakes. That's I a, believe that's a stretch. Somebody and yes, us. I mean he's going from. <laughs> so if he swam across the the water from Detroit, he likely wound up in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. Canada, which is across the river there. That part I know. I've been to Winnipeg, <laughs> and. Um, do you know from Winnipeg, when you take pictures of the Detroit skyline on the other side of the water, the gigantic glass building, uh, which is the Detroit Convention Center, I believe, uh, was in uh, the pilot episode of Buck Rogers. 
I did not know. That's that. where they supposedly claimed New Chicago was in the, the Earth Defense Directorate. Okay. And I went, I know that building. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Um, it's not in Chicago. It's not even in New Chicago. It's not even close to where they said New Chicago was. Anyway. Um, but still, I mean, so to swim Michi- Lake Michigan on a dare is impressive. To swim Lake Michigan drunk on a dare <laughs> is impressive. I really don't know that I care much about the mayhem that he may have caused after the fact. <laughs> and what did he do once he got there? He threw a brick at somebody's window or something? That's what Homeland Security got all up in arms about? Surely it wasn't just entering the country. No, well, you think he, he entered just the entering country the country illegally. Yeah, yeah he entered, but he didn't go through the border. Illegally. Properly, it's an open border. There's no fence. It's not like I mean, it's, it, it's well, not the idea even is you're not well, going to cross the Michigan water. Michigan is the second largest Ontario. It system. is okay. Yeah. So it's it's not <clears> even <throat> a. Thanks for uh, uh, yeah yeah. We no, want we want to be factual in our. Well, it our looks like there's uh, a there's well it looks like depending on where you swim. <laughs> it's it's not even a border. It's a line. Yeah, it's I, a line on a map. But okay, well, good for him. Some say this could I mean, say the same thing about problem. Mexico. Here's no, the wall. There. Here's the deal. <laughs> the I mean, like, wall. This is the border. This is Detroit. So all you have to do is swim across this little tiny piece here. That's not part of Lake Michigan. It, it doesn't look little, like it is. This, the, no, it isn't because this, this is probably this still is, uh, two miles. Ontario. This is no. This is Erie. No, Erie's over here. Football. Such no. riveting yeah, radio. This is, this, is, this is eerie right here, dude. That's eerie. Oh, there's eerie. Cleveland. This is Ohio. Yeah, That's it eerie. Is eerie. You're right. I got it backwards. Anyway, I've been there too. <laughs> I have pictures. <laughs> eerie Indiana. I've been there. You have pictures? No. Oh. They confiscated my film. <laughs> now you're right. That's part of eerie there. So it must have been had to been up here. It had to have been up there. But, well, Detroit is right there. Yeah, though. but you can see. He swam well, across, he swam this the is river. the Detroit area. So. Uh, well, yeah, that's yeah. true. Detroit's kind of a big plot. Hey, we have way too much time on this. <laughs> anyway. It looks like he, he maybe he swam across Lake St. Clair. For anybody in, uh, for any of our listeners in uh, uh, Canada that were uh, assaulted or offended by this uh, <laughs> drunk guy's actions on behalf of all Americans, I'd like to apologize um, and say we're sorry that he was a drunk idiot. For anybody else that would like to get drunk and try to swim across Lake Michigan, I say, you go, boy. How did we get to that information? (laughs) Email? Yeah, what were we talking about? We're talking about Michelle. Anyway, so... uh, Oh, oh, oh. Sneak across the border. Sneak across the border in Canada, yeah. Yeah, I I would love to come up, Michelle. Totally. Like I said, if I had an abundance of time and money, I'd be there. And eight beers and a dog. You wouldn't even have to put me up because I had an abundance of money. I could stay, but... (laughs) Actually, she lives in Canada, and she... She could put us up. She doesn't live in Canada. <laughs> it just dawned on me. It must be 6 a.m. It's time for Friday Night Who yet? <laughs> Told you it was that podcast. You didn't believe me. It's 6 a.m. It's not 6 a.m. It's 6 a.m. somewhere. In Canada, They're the same time zones as we are. <laughs> Up next, Glenn. I don't know. <laughs> I've lost track now. You Hang have on. the notes. I have it. Uh, next up is Chrissy. Uh, that's what I thought. Okay. Well, if you thought so, why'd you just agree? Because <laughs> then you would call me out <laughs> if I was wrong. You should know better by now. When we get silly, it's best uh, just to press forward. Trials and tribulations. Yes, <laughs> that's this episode, Chrissy. Dun dun dun. I get it. I see what you did there. Dear Vortex Boys. 
I was intrigued by your brief discussion of how you would structure a trial of a Time Lord. I believe the, ac- I believe the acron- acron- acronym is more accurately total, not tote. Total. 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 I guess that would be true. No. Oh, yeah. Trial of a Time is Lord two, is two words, isn't it? Total. Uh, well, who I, I, we didn't make that acronym. Whoever sent us that email that said, called it dope. Was it Scott? I think it was Scott. Somebody. So blame Scott, not us. <laughs> After watching Ultimate Foe, I have a few ideas of how I would do it because it is by no means perfect. Though maybe I just give it more credit than most people do. First of all, I will leave the first eight parts as they are. The way the trial is structured, the Valiard being the prosecution, gets to make his case first. Then the doctor gets to present his defense, which is Terra the Vervoids. But instead of giving Vervoids a full four episodes, I'd I'd only give it two or three episodes, and instead of the full story making the... Instead of the full story, making that segment of the trial more about the Matrix going screwy when the Doctor tries to defend himself. The idea being that the Matrix has been corrupted from within. Every time the Doctor tries to present evidence he's in the right, the Matrix sh- instead shows him doing something that only incriminates him further, thus playing the unreliable narrator trope that was set up during Mind Warp. It's even, pe- it's even possible that the Keeper of the Matrix has been bought off by the Valley Yard or something. That character had too much potential just to be this clueless old Time Lord who had no idea that he'd lost the key to the Matrix. <laughs> well, he even tried to trip Mel successfully he once. He did first time. Tried the second yeah. time. He's definitely a hostile type witness person. In the end, the Doctor doesn't get to finish presenting his defense because the Matrix hasn't has been corrupted so badly, so he just gives up and rests his case early. Just as he's rested his case, the Master breaks into the proceedings, just like he did at the beginning of the Ultimate Foe, and things go from there. Complete with the opportunity for the Doctor's speech about how the Time Lord to become more corrupt than anything else in the universe, that is classic and epic and probably the best part of the entire story arc. So if the Doctor had only had two episodes of defense... And that gives us an episode of transition from the actual trial to where the Master brings Mel and Glitz to be witnesses and drops the whole the Valley Art is a Doctor's Darkness bomb on everybody. And there could have been more time given to what the Master was really trying to accomplish with his meddling. I feel like there was more to that than we got. From there, we get three episodes of the Doctor facing off with the Valley Art and the Matrix. With the Master, Glitz, and Mel coming in as the plot needed them. And that story could be its own final showdown and a fitting finale to the entire tr- arc tri- trial arc. Obviously it would be better fleshed out by writers who are much better than me, but that's my take on it. Might have gone that way if Bob Owens had died. <laughs> at, least the, at least the final story. Might have. Anyway, if you couldn't tell from my little here's what I would do if I were writing Trial of a Time Lord spiel... The Ultimate Foe is a story that I wish was longer. I think there were so many good things that they wanted to do to put a cap on this entire season, they didn't give themselves enough time to do it. Bringing in the Master was a stroke of sheer genius, and I love him popping in and taking over the whole thing uh, completely off-balances the Valyard. The Valyard has been the slimy villain all through 12 episodes, and the Doctor can't seem to get the better of him. 
that I'm actually cheering when the master exposes the Valiard scheme, and then that opens the door for the doctor to give what was possibly the, a very satisfying speech for Colin Baker to deliver, because he just knocks it out of the park. I've seen clips of that speech without the context of this episode, and I enjoy watching that performance, but when you watch it within the story, it's even better. I also love the stuff that happens in The Matrix, and again, it's something I wish could have had more of. It seems like the Valiard had more schemes and to plot and twists to dish out. Maybe they were planning, maybe they were planning on bringing him back for another season with Colin Baker or something. Regardless, I enjoyed this part of trial, I w- and wish there was more. As a side note about Perry's final fate, the first time I thaw this, saw this, I thought the idea of Perry marrying King Yakranos was a little odd, even though they set it up in such a way that I could buy it. If I squinted and tilted my head a little bit. <laughs> and But then I read A Game of Thrones, <laughs> and now I look at it more as a Daenerys Targaryen and Khal Drogo matchup. I'm more accepting of the idea, as Keith said during Friday Night Who, she can be Pear, Pepper Grillian Brown, Mother of Dragons. <laughs> you probably already knew this, but Big Finish did a companion chronicle called Perry and the Piscon Paradox that deals with deals more with the aftermath of Perry's final fate, and it's worth it's well worth a listen. I know Nicola Bryant herself often recommends it when people ask her on Twitter what really happened to Perry. Well, Get it on the schedule, Sean. Get it yeah, on the schedule. I want to hear that. Okay. I want to hear about the Mother of Dragons. Is Brian blessed in the audio? Oh, I hope so. I doubt it. Then I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I was kidding. Well, with Trial of the Time Lord down, I guess it's time to look back at the Sixth Doctor's time on the show. The, th- the way I feel about the Sixth Doctor's time on TV is similar to how I feel about Firefly. The first time I watched Firefly, I knew it had been cancelled after not even a whole season. I had a bit of trepidation going into it because I wondered if there was a reason that it got such poor ratings. Maybe it really wasn't that great, and I was in for a colossal waste of time. But as I watched it, I found myself enjoying it and was mad that it only got one season. And what the crap was wrong with those idiot TV executives that gave it the axe? How How could they get away with the crap they pulled? Why did no one see how wonderful the show was at the time? That's how I feel about the Sixth Doctor. He was just as good as any of the other Doctors, and he could have gone on for years and years and years. He just got a bad deal from the powers that be at the BBC. The more I hear about the 80s, the more I think that the BBC was just trying to find excuses to get rid of the show, and the people most involved with Doctor Who bore the brunt of that mean-spiritedness. You would not be incorrect in that assessment. For all the perception that the Sixth Doctor is brash and mean and unpleasant, there's a certain gleam beneath that rough exterior that is due to no small part how wonderfully Colin Baker plays the part. He fights off bad guys, he cares for his companions, and he knows how to show true compassion. He is just his own way of doing it so that it's much so much different than what the Doctor's done before. We all talk about how much the Sixth Doctor shines in Big Finish, and that's cert- that is certainly true, but that shine was there even in television, and it really annoys me that people missed it the first time around. Maybe it's only with the benefit of hindsight that I can see what they were going for, and the fact that BBC actually appreciates Doctor Who, 
and isn't actively trying to kill it off. That I feel that the Sixth Doctor is my second favorite Doctor after the Fifth Doctor. No one's going to knock Peter Davison off that pedestal, sorry. (laughs) I'm very much looking forward to meeting Colin Baker at Gallifrey One next year, if only to tell him how much I appreciate the Sixth Doctor and how much of a fan I am of his. I have a hard time putting in the words why I love the Sixth Doctor as much as I do. Maybe it's because I didn't expect to love him at all. But he took me by surprise, and now I love pretty much everything about him. Yes, even the coat. We all joke about it, but I've developed a bit of fondness for the coat, simply because it belongs to old Sixie. I seriously have to stop spending in these novels. I really do appreciate... I do apologize for taking up so much time in the feedback section of the podcast, but thanks for letting me ramble on about it. Chrissy. And we're going to tackle a lot of those points uh, when we read our... Or when we read, when we discuss our uh, thoughts on that. I wrote it all down, so I'll be reading mine. Oh, okay, good. You're on top of things. (laughs) (laughs) Up next is Holly. Holly writes, Trial of a Time Lord, the Ultimate Foe. Hey guys, it was nice to see Glitz show up again. I was rather surprised to see the Master show up. Why am I not surprised that he would be the one tinkering around in the Matrix? The Doctor doesn't like to be called Doc. Kind of interesting how the Doctor and the Master team up in this. The reveal of the Doctor being the Valyard and it being the Doctor's darkest aspects was interesting. The whole thing in the Matrix with having to follow procedure was interesting. I was giggling kind of at the end when the Doctor chained up one of the copies of Mr. Popplewick and then doing the Scooby-Doo-like reveal of the Valyard. (laughs) He would have probably had gotten away with his plan, too, if it weren't for that meddlesome Doctor and the Master. (laughs) The ending with the Doctor and Mel heading off and her mentioning something about carrot juice and the Doctor suddenly wondering if he shouldn't have taken up the Inquisitor on her offer of becoming President again. I have to say that Mel was pretty strong in this episode and fared pretty well against the Time Lords. I know this season has quite a bit of controversy to it. You could almost retitle it Trial of a Time Lord, a season in hell, from a producer, writer, and I'm sure even actor's standpoint with all the other stuff that was going on behind the scenes. I was able to get my hands on a copy of the book, JNT, The Life and Scandalous Times of John Nathan Turner, and it was quite the interesting read, to say the least. For as much as some people don't like Trial of a Time Lord, I enjoyed it. Sure, it had its not-so-good moments, but overall, I think the bad moments really didn't overshadow the good that was there to be had. Pip and Jane Baker did the best they could with what they were given, considering what was going on behind the scenes at the time. I could probably go on a little bit longer, but I'll wrap this up here because I'm sure there's quite more, fi- quite a bit more feedback to be had. Looking forward to hearing your and everyone else's thoughts on the final episode of this season, Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Holly. And finally, Rachel. Rachel writes, Hello, Brickyard, Railyard, and Boatyard. Rachel here with some feedback, musings, and questions. First, now that we're a week removed from San Diego Comic-Con and still no 50th anniversary trailer, I have to join in the crowd of dissension at the BBC's choice to not release the trailer to the public. While SDCC is large with thousands of guests, I'm guessing that the percentage of Whovians attending is small. Yes, I understand that it's a treat and a privilege for those fans who attend the panel, but I feel it's a great disservice for those millions of fans who didn't and couldn't attend to not release something. At the very least, I think the BBC should give some sort of timeline on when something might be released for the general public, either the same trailer or a different one. With just a little under a month, or excuse me, with just under a little four... (laughs) With just a little under four months to go until the anniversary, fans, at least myself, are going to want some sort of nibble. 
I understand Moffat and the BBC's desire to avoid spoilers, but the fans have proven themselves capable of not leaking spoilers, i.e. the early DVD shipping of Name of the Doctor. Maybe it's because I'm in the U.S. and feel a bit disconnected from the Who family, as opposed to those in the U.K., and maybe marketing is looked at differently in the U.K., but I feel, but I feel like there should be more marketing leading up to such a big event. After all, if we can get several days of live feed outside a hospital in London waiting for a baby to be born, we can get a trailer for the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. Here, 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 here. The Ultimate Foe. I was happy to finally get to the conclusion of this farce of a trial. I find it kind of funny that the trial itself was dragged on for so long with the three previous stories, yet the Doctor and the Valyard's confrontation seemed to end in a matter of minutes. I know Colin Baker's era wasn't well-liked, and it seems like the writers wrote this story so that they could give him a quick ep- as quick of an ex- exit as possible. I found the various sets inside the Matrix a bit disjointed, with that old-time factory, a carnival ride entrance, and a barren wasteland. I guess variety is the spice of life as far as the Valyards is concerned. I loved how Mel and Glitz stepped up to the plate, trying to save the Doctor's life. I still wonder how the High Council does not seem to know who the Master is. Apparently, this set was on vacation when the Master was (laughs) brought uh, in during the story of the Five Doctors. Come to think of it, they must have been because they apparently weren't aware that the Matrix could be tampered with either. <laughs> I still don't care for the character of the Valyard, but as Sean has pointed out, Michael Jaston is a nice man in real life. <laughs> I'll try to keep that in mind when I see him at Chicago TARDIS. I guess that's a testament to Michael Jaston's acting ability. In, the case, in that case, props to him. As for old Sixie, uh, I can't say I cared for him based on my first impression when I watched The Twin Dilemma. After watching more stories, my opinion has changed and The Sixth Doctor is becoming one of my favorite classic Doctors, John Pertwee being my top favorite. It's a shame that he had such a short run, but it's a bit ironic that both he and the Doctor became a victim of politics. I would have liked to have seen his Doctor post-trial, dealing with the fallout and trying to carry on with Mel as his companion. I really liked Mel and I felt that she was a good match for Sixie. Must be something about Ginger Companions. (laughs) I'm looking forward to hearing everyone else's comments about Ultimate Foe and Sixties Era. With each episode I watch and each episode I listen to, I feel more in tune with the Doctor Who universe, and I have you guys to thank for that. Until next week, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. I thought she'd talk a little more about the baby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad she didn't. (laughs) Well, shall we move on to the Ultimate Foe and the trial as a whole? I'm assuming you all remember the first paragraph from the last yeah. three weeks, so I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> the is doctor it, is the doctor on trial for his life. He is plucked out of time and space by the time lords. Ooh, he is charged with transgressing the first law of time. Sounds exciting. The doctor has tried to prove his innocence, but the Valyard is certain of his guilt and will stop at nothing to carry out a sentence of death. But there is a surprise witness waiting in the wings, one who knows the truth. With a trial in disarray, the Doctor flees into the Matrix to confront his enemy, into a nightmarish world of torture and punishment. Trapped within, he will have to fight for his life against the ultimate foe! Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And it kills me to do that. 
this is very much one of those that I want to like, and it does so much right. There's a lot of grit. But it doesn't congeal. We'll jump right in there and say it. I think because it's only half written. I mean, it's it's two. It's one story written by two different people, and Pip and John, Pip and Jane Baker came back. No, that's not Pip and Jane. Pip and Jane Baker. Baker. They're Baker, Baker as well. It just dawned yeah. on me. I've been saying it for years. Okay, so yeah, Pip and right. Jane, Jane Baker came back and wrote this as a favor because essentially Robert Holmes died. Or Eric, was sick. Well, he, he died. He died, the, he died, he did he died before this they finished writing okay. this because he and Eric Sayward were, were writing it together. And Eric Sayward wrote a version that he thought was essentially true to what Bob Holmes was writing. And unfortunately, the way that it ended, uh, J&T didn't want to go that direction with it. So there was some legal issues with it, and they brought Pip and Jane in, who had no idea what was going on, and said... And JNT said, "I can't tell you anything about what was written before. Uh, I can give you. He gave him the first story, that obviously, so that they could go from there." It says Robert Holmes was originally commissioned to write the two episodes. However, he died from chronic liver ailment after completing a draft of the first and leaving nothing beyond a plot outline of the second. Right. So they came back. They came in, and I think they sufficiently for for coming in and just having the first script. And having to job, finish it, yeah. they did a fine job. But that's what it, where it falls down is it becomes weak because I, there's there's one thought going on, and then somebody finishing that thought, and they, they unfortunately couldn't be on the same page. Now they did a fine job with what they did, what they had, but I think that's why it, it sort of falls down is because it, it's 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 two sides. Of this that is point. interesting. I didn't know this. Uh, series script editor Eric Seward, Seward. Resigned around this time due to disagreements with John Nathan. Well, Turner. that's why he, dis- he that's why he resigned because JNT did not want to make the story that he had written. But agreed mm-hmm. to write the final episode based on Holmes's outline and also rewrite Holmes's draft to tie the two together, for which he was credited as script editor. The original ending to this segment, and indeed the whole trial and possibly the series, would have seen the Doctor and the Valyard in an inconclusive cliffhanger, both seemingly plunging into a void to their deaths as an extra hook. However, John Nathan Turner felt this was too downbeat and believed that it was important that the season did not end on an inconclusive note, since it was important after the hiatus to prove the series was back in business. You didn't watch Trial and Tribulations, did did you? (laughs) Sayward refused to change the ending and withdrew permission to use his script very late in the day, by which point the production team had been assembled, the segment was already entering rehearsals. That's when J&T commissioned Pip and Jane Baker to write a replacement final episode. For copyright reasons, they could not be told anything of the content. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's and JNT. He, he, uh, I mean, if you watch Trial and Tribulations, it's a fantastic documentary about Six's era and what was going on at the time. I think we is that the one we started. Where they're talking. Well, there's two of them because there's there's a there's one yeah, on there's the, the ultimate, ultimate foe. foe. Yeah, we started then, Trials and, and the Trials and Tribulation actually stock, talks about the entire season as a whole. Do you see what else was on series, this? His uh, run as a whole. Yeah, the Doctor in Distress. <laughs> I watched it too. <laughs> I, I made sure to make, exp- make Sean watch that. Oh yes. Um, yeah. So I mean, so th- I, that's why. I mean, we're right there. We, without going into much of the history, that's why I wasn't going into too much of it there. But right, watch Trials and Tribulations if you're interested on more of that because it's it's a really fascinating documentary. But because you have these two different stories, I mean, not, not even two different. I think there's a, there's I don't want to say flavor, <laughs> um, but there's just. I think that's why you've got these two kind of yin yang pieces going on, and while I think again, Pip and Jane did a fine job of continuing on with what uh, you know 
Robert Holmes had done ahead of time, you end up with a mediocre story instead of a really, really bang up finale to this. Well, and it just, it, it, it's one more example maybe of the too many cooks in the kitchen kind of attitude that was going on at the BBC and Doctor Who in this particular time frame that just, they needed, uh, of, of all the stories to, to put out there to show that, yes, we're back in business, I, I love the idea of the trial. I think that's a great concept, and I like the idea that you're, you're doing this, and everything about the trial, I think, is very well done. But you needed to hit that home run at the end, and whether because it's only two parts or because we spent too much mucking about with uh, mind warp and verboids and stuff that you know we should have developed a little bit more, or because of you know Sayward leaving or uh, Baker dying or or uh, Holmes dying, whatever else was going on, we just we we muddled through with you know this is what we've got. We we can't fix it. We can't do what we want to do with it. Yeah. And we're kind of stuck with this. And um, you know it's unfortunate because there's so much. I mean, the the, the revelation of the Valyard is fantastic, and the, the idea of the Master coming in, and that all these different elements are at play to once again paint how bad the Time Lords are. Uh, Which we, is great, yeah. And that speech is phenomenal. Oh, it's a phenomenal speech. And I, you know, on the one hand, I, I kind of like the the Matrix segments because they are very. Reminiscent of what we got in uh, Deadly Assassin. Deadly Assassin. Yeah. It's a lot of the same kind of flavor, if you will, of, of that. On the other hand, I get very disappointed with, well, we're in the Matrix and you gave us a toy factory. I mean, it looks like the Joker's hideout. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, it could yeah. have been an, 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 an old time historical, uh, you know, Dickinson Edwardian. Well, we've got this kind gorgeous castle. And then, like somebody said, this carnival facade on the outside of the of the main it just, door. It, it, it just seems weird. It just seems weird. And then the the location scouting. Hey, look, we got a rock quarry. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm okay with that. And in fact, I think they did a they did a fantastic Which, job with part, like the where they they dug out and created the quicksand. That looked yeah. great. Yeah, they did wonderful job. And that's yeah. the part that really made me feel more reminiscent of. Deadly Assassin, because like there's that scene in Deadly Assassin where he's walking through the looks like a great expanse of rock. There's desert and rock and marshland yeah. and all and these it, different environments. Yeah, and he wipes it away and sees the clown and all that. Mm-hmm. That that's the part that made me yeah. think of it. Not the carnival, not the castle. Yeah. And maybe again, it's just because Earth is the Doctor's favorite planet, and the Valyard is at his core still some part of the Doctor. That most of what his Matrix looks like is still. Earth borrowed, you know that he's he's taking elements from that. But um, yeah, it just I, I I agree with Chrissy. I think there was so much more. I, I didn't really get a feel for what the master was wanting to do, or why he was. I mean, it's one thing to step into the trial and say, "I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of killing the doctor because I want to do it." Well. <laughs> I get that, yeah. but then he was okay with that happening. If but there's a, there's that a, was an added bonus for him. He had another a, scheme going on. There's a sub story going on there too because he's trying to incite a riot or a, or a revolution on Gallifrey too. You caught that? Right. Right? I caught yeah. that. Well, Which there was one there going is. on. Yeah. Well, it's because the and the the, the, the beauty of this is Terrence Terrence Dix hammers a lot of what's going on out in the Eight Doctors because this this is where uh, the Eighth Doctor meets up with Six. In uh, the Eight Doctors, is, is oh. during the trial, and so I a lot of saying that we yeah, a lot of the, that is happening on the planet or on Gallifrey itself is hammered out. But that's 
that's the idea is that, that the by by showing the corruption and the uh, the uh, of the time lords and the uh, uh, corrupting of the matrix and, and everything that the the basically the working class of, of Gallifrey would rise up and overthrow the time lords and ultimately the master I think at that point thinks he'll seat himself then as you know the the, the head of them and be able to he's he's really trying to create chaos on Gallifrey so that he Which can he, step in yeah. and do something next now. Um, so that is there, but it's not punched home. And I think maybe that was probably more so uh, in Holmes's uh, idea of what, what, where this would go. And unfortunately, that kind of got swept aside, and it became more of this just, you know, the challenge that you get the impression that the master's there to help the doctor because he doesn't like the Valyard because right. he's the one that wants to dispatch of the doctor eventually. But then you never really get that the master and the doctor working Together. together as much as they possibly could have in in a story and so that you're like you you have that reluctancy to root for the master i didn't have that reluctancy to root for the master or even root for the master in in you know generally because it i couldn't you couldn't tell his motives and his motivations right. and they well, were, because they even, were when they, even when they get into the matrix the first thing the master does is is brainwash him hypnotize him right. and then yeah. use him to go get the uh you know, we're going to send him out here as bait for the uh, the Valiard so that I can steal the Gallifreyan secrets. Right. But if you're in the Matrix, wouldn't you theoretically already have access to those? You would think, except for you get the impression, at least I think that's what they're trying to convey, is that where, uh, what was the guy's name that was, he was disguised, the Valiard was disguised as him. We me and uh, Pe- Fan about, or whatever. Yeah, me and Fan about town called him uh, Onslow because he was Onslow and keeping up appearances. Oh. But uh, <laughs> that's, that was the Onslow. Oh, that was that's the Onslow joke. Yeah. Um, oh, Onslow. Yeah. Popplewick. So, yeah, so Popplewick. Uh, I get the impression that that's kind of the, the, the maybe the central core is where he's at. And that's why in within the Matrix, I mean, there's still going to be some sort of a structure of, of data. And that's where that's at. So he has to get into there. And that's why he has to draw Onslow away, <laughs> and, or or the Valyard, I suppose, because he, we we find out later that it's the Valyard. But um, I don't know. You know, I just I don't hate this story. It's, I don't this either. isn't a mind warp. This is this is one of those. Wow, I wish they could have done this better. It's um, it's you see the opp- or the missed opportunities everywhere. Yeah, I it. think so. Yeah, one of which I think is the Valyard is such an interesting nemesis. Until he's revealed, and then he runs off and becomes a master 2.0, and that's where I don't like the Valley Yeah, he's he, very masterish. He, he doesn't. He just goes off and becomes another egomaniacal villain yeah. of Doctor Who variety. He's not, especially if he's supposed to be the future version of the Doctor, the Dark Part. I want him acting outside the differently than a typical villain. It could have been anybody doing that. Yeah. It could have been the Master. It could have been the Ronnie. It could have been anybody. And does that make it could have been Omega? Oh I think. That's, uh, that's, and does that make the master's motivation for for kind of quote unquote helping the doctor that he he's more in it just because he would feel threatened by the Valyard? Well, oh, if that's the Valyard so, was able yeah. to get a hold of these other regenerations and be as evil and, as and that's something I also don't quite understand is okay, so the, the Valyard's doing all of this to get his future, his past versions, future regenerations. Yes. Yes. 
So he would have got regeneration 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. Yeah. The, the weird thing about it is... But wouldn't is that, that also cause they an issue to... See, they, they don't the explain that they well don't, enough. Well, they don't. Yeah. That's the problem because they, they refer to him as a amalgul- amalgulation, amalgulation. Of, of your dark Which, side, of I your hidden was... dark secrets. So it doesn't even validate that he's a... He's a regeneration of the Doctor. He's some sort of amalgamation in between. He's almost like a split personality. Yeah, exactly. And it's almost which it's, it's almost what I wonder that if we're going to explore that same kind of concept with John Hurt's Doctor that, that he's not really a full fledged. And doctor. it's also interesting that they say between twelfth and final. They don't say twelfth and thirteenth. So it kind of gives the lens to the idea that thirteen isn't necessarily the final. Oh, for Pete's sake. 13 is in. 13 is done. 13 I don't know. You, you keep pushing that. Now, I think they'll fix that eventually, but I, you know, you're trying to run on it too much. I'm just know? saying it's... I, t- I say just let it happen, it Keith. They're not going to... You, yeah, I don't think you have to fix it, because I think they will to. fix it. I mean, this is too popular of a show right now. Tom Baker said it. and uh, I think here's the, the fascinating Paul thing. Paul McGann is, says it in Doctor Who the Movie. Time Lord has 13 lives. <laughs> Period. Of course, we that's, haven't been to that Sarah Jane where... Uh, it's true. That's, that's coming com- up. That's coming Dr. up. Dr. But <laughs> where this entire thing really started. <laughs> it's also a joke. Yeah. And whether you want to believe the, uh, Russell T. Davies' comments when he said it was a joke or it's a joke, or if you want to take it as spin-off media, which isn't canon, it doesn't matter. In the show proper, they said 13 yeah, is 13. 13 is 13. Until Stephen Moffat or somebody else comes out and tells me, this is how we got around that. I think that the... the Once the, you've explained it, I'm okay with it. The thing that... Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, John. The thing that... <laughs> the thing that I think we'll fi- I find interesting is that if 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 John Hurt's Doctor is does is a true incarnation of the Doctor, one of the generations. Yes, and that pushes everybody that pushes down. everybody ahead. So that if means he's, if he's that nine, means whatever we ten. whatever the Valuard Valuard ex- I can't say his name now exists. It's within the Matt Smith and whoever our next announcement is. <gasps> It's what if they announce forward? Michael Jaston is the next Doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Mind blown! He's a little too old to play himself. No, that would be kind of cool. That would be awesome. Because he'd be going back to an old... Oh, yes. Yes! But going back to the Eight Doctors, and I don't want to dwell on it too much, but you, you really should read that just for just for the, the fact that the idea is that, well, what happens in there, Just I'll, I'll be real brief, because I think I've kind of explained this before, but the... Uh, Eighth Doctor shows up as, and, and they aren't real clear how this happens, but somehow the Valyard has created an alternate timeline as well, where mm-hmm. the Sixth Doctor actually does go to his death. That he he uh, is found guilty of genocide, and he goes out and he's facing a fire a firing squad when the Eighth Doctor shows up and basically rescues himself. And so they go to Gallifrey, and they find that's when they, it's revealed that that was there's, it's, the value had somehow created a splinter timeline in mm-hmm. which the Sixth Doctor was to bite it. And they go down, and they find out that the trial is still going on because the, there, there's still that timeline happening. So they go down to the planet uh, Flavia, who was uh, uh, Chancellor Flavia, she was president at the time, was deposed because uh, she. Was tr- she was trying to show evidence that there that the matrix had been tampered with, and nobody liked that. So she basically got deposed, and somebody else came in. And in the meantime, there's there, because of the corruption within the uh, uh, top brass, essentially, 
the there's this revolution is starting and it's kind of been sparked on by the master on the planet is he's kind of mm-hmm. you know manipulated things as such and also uh the, the 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 main guy that's i can't remember his name necros or something who is the uh president now and so they basically have to find out why is what's going on is has gone on why the value is able to create this uh timeline uh Basically, with Flavius' help, they kind of clear the Six Doctor's name here, which kind of helps the events up up on the uh, space station. And they find out that the Central, not Central Intelligence Agency, the Celestial, Celestial Intervention, Intervention Agency actually are responsible for wiping out the Earth in Maya, uh, which we see the events they're the aftermath of yeah. in Mysterious Planet because the Valyard was getting too close to the secrets that they had stored and so they wiped it out essentially to cover their tracks and so that's the ultimate reason why the, the planet was destroyed and it kind of fills in that gap as well and so they didn't really have uh, a problem kind of how they explain Mysterious Planet they, they did, in, the, yeah. in, in the episode. And, and they, they, they do a nice Which, thank goodness, we well. got that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's, that, that really I, there, there's a lot of info dump in the first episode. Yes. Which is surprising that they would do it so early. Because you even find out about Perry in the first in the episode. First, yeah. And then, and the, then doctor the doctor, is, yeah. it's revealed to the doctor in the last one. Nicole O'Brien didn't like that. She, she was disappointed that Perry survived. Yeah, and, yeah she mentions it, and she's... Yeah. She, she was happy. She talks with about going it in trial and tribulation, and, and and she was happy with that. But she doesn't. She she's not disappointed that they went that way. That they made the name drop. But she would have. But she said I'd have been happier with the fact that Barry yeah. mm. went out. One thing that elevates this story is Glitz coming back. <laughs> He's so see, but underutilized. He, I don't know. I mean, we only had two episodes. Yeah. Well, he's used really well he's, in the first episode. Yes, he's and underplayed less, in, less, the less episode, yeah, in the second episode. But I think that's because Pippin Jane didn't have. We, 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 well, because yeah. wasn't the first one was written by Robert Holmes? Wasn't wasn't uh, Mysterious Planet written by Robert Holmes? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he he had probably it's it's a Captain Jack thing. You know, Moffat creates Captain Jack, and you kind of have a love for that character, but somebody else comes and steers it in a different direction. So I don't know. Um, I, I, I yeah, I like I said, th- there's there's so much that I, I I think overall it makes the trial work. It, it is a fitting end for it, but as with so many of these Doctor Who stories, I wish we'd have gotten a little bit more, a little bit better thought out. This is where we're going with this overall arc, and admittedly, you know, there were there were production problems. We just we couldn't get there from here. But it would have been great if we could have. Yeah. yeah. What I'm really excited now to see is we didn't have production issues. We had well, BBC Top Brass, as well, they call I mean, it in the documentary, the sixth floor. Yeah. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and, I mean, we also had obviously. I mean, Bob Holmes died. Well, that, that's, sure, that's sure, a production sure. problem. Yeah. I, mean, you just, I suppose that's true. You know, you're bringing in writers. Well, and, and Eric, Eric Sayward having you, yeah. you know, uh, well, I mean, there there was a lot of friction in that last season with JNT between he and JNT yeah. as well. So. So it had production problems, but I'm really excited to see potentially where, and and maybe Moffat won't. Maybe the sole bit we'll get is that bit in Name of the Doctor about he's been called the Valyard. 
Maybe that's yeah, the, maybe it's fine. it. Maybe it's just a name drop, just to make us all go. Oh, he he cool. addressed that in an interview with somebody at Comic Con, yeah. and, and said that you know it was it was he had, he, we hadn't as had the, we as a fan we hadn't had the Valyard back yet, so that was kind of my way to slip it in there. So, but it would be nice if he could do something in the fiftieth that would kind of fix it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I don't look for him to go. I, I don't think he went out and wrote a script specifically to go fixed, mm-hmm. but to to kind of just hammer in a little bit more yeah patching yeah <laughs> it definitely needs a patch i think <laughs> what about the end where we we, we so mel is a future companion and we bring her back to the doctor's present and they sail off together but he hasn't met her yet how does that work <laughs> well or was that actually the first meeting of Mel that he meets no, her after he's see, met her? I, and, and, and I have read <laughs> That's a good some. Question. I have read some media where there there is a meeting eventually, and the idea was when they're going off together, he's to, he's basically taking her back to where she is. And within the real time right, stream exactly. before the master dropped her. Ah, exactly. Okay. So okay, that, that fixes she, that. They can you know meet each other later <laughs> at an appropriate time or earlier at appropriate appropriate time as well. I don't know. Because I would assume then, um, and I think I knew this because I think I looked it up at one point. But then the Doctor and Evelyn stories take place after pre-mail. he drops Mel off. No, it's pre Mel. Right after. Oh, he drops after Mel he drops off, her. Right. That's but after Perry. Right before correct. he meets Mel proper. Correct. Okay. Yeah, it, it goes. It technically, <laughs> it technically goes Perry, Evelyn, Mel, but he had the quasi adventure with Mel uh, early. early, which not even much because she was just in the Matrix with him, and it was Ultimate Foal is really the only one because Terry Vervoid still does take place in his future, so right. post Evelyn. And I didn't think about this at the time, but when we reviewed the Sixth Doctor comic from IDW, and Perry's asking about Frobisher, and he goes, oh, he pops in from time to time, and he does this, and we have adventures, and blah, 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 and oh, at one point he's trying to kill me. Okay, now wait a minute, <laughs> because if we start with Perry, because Perry was for five into six, so when did Frobisher show up? Because he would have been with Perry. Yeah, when, yeah, when he have, yeah. we'd have had to have dropped Perry. Perry was off doing something, and then he had an adventure with Frobisher, and then he picked Perry back up. That's the only thing. I could <laughs> <laughs> she was shopping. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe she was getting swim lessons. That might have been addressed in the uh, comics, where Frobisher plays most of his yeah. role. Although there are some big finish. I don't know. I'm really curious now to get into that. Okay, so well, I'm any 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 other thoughts on Ultimate Foe as an individual story? No. Okay, so what did you guys think of the overall Trial of the Time Lord? That's the, I, I think it's... Did this... Did this? I mean, we, we've kind of been saying <laughs> all along, all month long, I can't wait to get to the end to kind of see how this congeals together. Did it? I, I don't think it congeals as good as it could have. What's this we? I knew how it could congeal together. <laughs> I didn't mean I wasn't waiting I'm, on anything. I'm building oh, okay. the suspension <laughs> of disbelief for our audience. Well, I didn't say that ever because... I didn't say it because I knew that it does wrap it up in a nice little bow. Not a nice little bow, kind of a scraggly bow, but it does wrap it up. <laughs> kind of and blue, I've been saying that all, I've up, been saying that all along, but it wraps it up. It, it you know the things are are alluded to, and it doesn't fix the problems that I have with mind warp. It doesn't fix the problems that I have with some of the problems I have with revoids. It doesn't fit you know the, just the fact that it's a future story that the Doctor happened to get to go look at the Matrix to 
find something. I mean, you would think he would find something from his past that he did the same thing and not set himself up as genocide. (laughs) (laughs) Getting a genocide charge tacked on the top of everything, too. So it doesn't, it, it, it fixes some issues, but it doesn't, it doesn't fix a lot of other ones. I wish that they had structured this a little better. I wish they'd have done it a little more like Key to Time, although you, you, when you go into something, you don't want to copy something you've done no, before. Yeah, you want to try to be original with it, and I just don't. I don't. I don't think they get there with it. Um, they're, they're, I still stand by the fact that I enjoy Mysterious Planet. I enjoy Terror of the Vervoids. I don't like Mind Warp, and and if they had done this in such a way that it didn't feel like they were using standalone stories to wrap around a tr- to wrap the trial around. If it didn't feel forced, and it's it's not because they sit down and they had an outline and they wrote this this way, but if it didn't feel like that, I think I would have enjoyed it more. But. Had let's, let's, in a perfect world, had they had another two episodes, that each one of these would have been a four part story, and they had two more episodes to play with with Ultimate Foe, no, would that have it. strengthened? No, not necessarily. It depends on what they did with it. But not, but but do you think it would have strengthened the overall trial arc? It, it depends no. on how they utilize. No, that. because unlike you, I think that. The ultimate foe is it's fine as a two episode story. Um, I think that the the unbalanced aspect is is an issue. But I think if Bob Holmes had been around to write both of these stories, I think it would have been just fine as a two episode story as well. So I think it it I think if they had tried to stretch this into four episodes, we would have gotten a lot more of Colin Baker running, or the Sixth Doctor running around in the Matrix. Yeah, we'd have, we'd that's gotten, what it would have been. We'd have gotten more of Deadly Assassin things where we had, you know, like six or seven things he had to contend with, you know, as he's chasing down the Master or trying to figure, or chasing down the mysterious we probably guy. Would. We, we would exactly. have got more chase and less had, plot. Yeah, but. exactly. We'd have gotten more chase and less plot. So I think this was fine because once once the reveal happens in the first episode, where do you go from there? You've got to just, oh, you've they, got to get it done. Yeah. You've got to get it concluded. And I think that they structured it well, knowing that they only had 14 episodes this season. I mean, the, the brass came down and said, yeah, we're going to do it. We're coming back. But you're only getting 14 episodes. So that's when they sit down and decided. And, and it's, it's so funny to watch that Trials and Tribulations where we're talking about how they did t- trial a tam- Time Lord because they were essentially on trial with the BBC. And uh, Colin Baker's, uh, was it, he said, he goes, really? You're going to do a trial? Well, Risky. We're going through this? Risky. Yeah, so it just... Um, well, we, wa- we started watching that one, but yeah, that's, yeah. We, we watched early enough that they started to, to delve into some waters that I was like, okay, we're done with that. <laughs> yeah, so. And then, oddly enough, after Ultimate Foe, of all the uh, DVD features that Keith could have booted up now that he was safely out of those spoiler waters, he oh, chose I to watch Doctor in Distress. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I started the one um, of Trials and Tribulations, and they were fo- they talked about his casting, and then they started focusing on Twin Dilemma. One I haven't seen yet. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, so I stopped it. Well, it's, they give a general overview at the beginning of Trials and Tribulations of, of what was happening, the entire, and then they go back yeah, from the beginning. And say, I didn't look at the description of it. It's, right. It says a description, uh, an overview of, or a look at the entire six doctor. Which, which is weird that they would. I mean, not necessarily weird, but you would think they would go back to the last complete season and not all the way back to Colin Baker's well, beginning. No, but, <laughs> but, but, but if, I guess it is kind of an inexorably. In and it's his last story. Yeah. 
So why that well makes sense to look back at his entire tie, run well, on the tie, last and story. to tie it in with his first one as well. Well, because so. there's a making of uh, the ultimate film. Yeah, there is that well, too. So no, it totally made sense. I guess what I had, I, I knew this, but I didn't wrap my brain around it too. Wow, well, this is this goes more into the Six Doctors era. So I'll I'll wait until we get to that point. Keith, do you I, like? I, do you like it? I enjoyed it, uh, some parts more than others. I just, it just didn't congeal enough for me. I think that's my problem. I, I think this is one of those that, um, in a way, it's kind of uh, frontier in space for me. I really, really like the story. I just wish we'd have got that payoff at the end. Yeah, you know, and I'm just not quite sure we got it. I don't get me wrong. I, I, I love. I, I, I've had a great time watching these. Because as I've said before, I've only ever seen bits and pieces of it. I didn't even, I mean, I knew how this ended, but I didn't, I'd never seen The Ultimate Foe. So this was a completely new experience for me to watch it. And so I had that giddiness of getting new who. <laughs> you know, it's new to me. I haven't seen it. But then I was let down by it because it didn't do quite what I want. And I, I wonder if part of that is 80s era storytelling or, or even old school Doctor Who storytelling because it seems like the more we review these, we get a lot of suffering plot in exchange for the chase and escape that that, yeah. that was more important that because of the serial nature of the show that it was more important that we get those cliffhanger moments in there or that we get you've got to run and you know fight this monster which has nothing to do with what's going on but because we need a monster in episode four that you giant know, clam yeah giant clam whatever it happens to Sewer be rat. space buffalo you know, <laughs> <laughs> we've got to have a monster in it America. and it, it, it seems hey, to always so come perfect. No, not really. Really, it doesn't. When <laughs> it you doesn't. go back and look at it, it really doesn't. But it just—it it seems like you know that's always more important with the classic Who episodes than for the storytelling. And so it's—it's it's almost. I'd be really curious to have a Doctor Who revisited where they went back and they kind of tweaked all of these episodes and maybe wrote them the way that they should have gone, and just to see what would happen with them. I think that'd be a really interesting kind of look at. At the show, I don't know. I'm excited to delve into the lost stories from uh, Baker's era yeah. because they, I think they they give you a flavor of what what they could have been. I don't that's think new, that's a new word. Flavor. A new flavor. I think they give you a flavor of what could have been. I don't think they certainly can you know predict or or, or <laughs> lay out what actually would have happened. But I think that they they a good a, a good chance to look at what what could have been so or listen to what could have been I suppose. Well, let's move on to the sixth Doctor era overall. I mean, we have spent a lot of time on this podcast praising Colin Baker, and I think rightfully so. Um, and we I think we've come I've come a long way from when we started and kind of being man on Colin Baker to wow I really love Colin mm-hmm. Baker. And if anybody else out there has gotten that from our podcast, I am beside myself with happiness and getting us over the fact that, you know, we opened somebody's mind to that. Um, I'm really curious to know how the uh, the rewatch for uh, Mind Warp went with um, Scott. Scott. <laughs> Wondering if he got there. We didn't hear from him, so. I'm betting. Maybe he couldn't not. get through it. <laughs> but. Um, um. I mean, trials and tribulations, indeed. This was an era that just was it's, so beset with problems. You know, as we've done the eras of the Doctor, although I think we've gotten a good 
taste of what we could for for most of them for Keith. But this was one of the ones that I felt like we've kind of shortened on. But that's because of the limited number of episodes, I think, that, that The Sixth Doctor has. But I think the worst thing we've done, and it, I just, it, because of, it's, it really is my least favorite episode, but because we didn't do Trim Twin Dilemma, with The Sixth Doctor, you almost need to see where he comes from to where he ends up. You know what I mean? And knowing what I know about The Twin Dilemma and all of the, the rough regeneration and the, 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 Attack on Perry, and and I can safely say all this because it yeah. it, it it comes up right off the top. Um, but to go from where where he started and where he ends is really it, it's a little bit of a disservice not to have seen a lot of the the, the pieces that I think Keith needs to say see. But it, now but the only you mean the beginning. The, the only beginning. the only piece he hasn't seen is from Dilemma. So that's it. He yeah. has seen every okay. other Six Doctor story. This is the era that I've uh, seen the most of. There's just, well, there's only two se- seasons. Yeah, there's 11 stories. I think it's funny that uh, the BBC said, well, he's had three three years. <laughs> yeah, he had three years. It wasn't all, another, all of those three years. He said he's had as many as uh, uh, Troughton or um, uh, Davison had. Yeah, he's got as many as Troughton that still exist. Schmucks. Well, Trout was three years, too. Right? I just had a horrible thought. What if the, the one guy, the BBC controller, the head executives at NBC when they canceled Star Trek, oh. the guys at Fox <laughs> that canceled Firefly, what if he's the Valyard and he just keeps regenerating <laughs> and going to different <laughs> networks and canceling all the good stuff? I think Michael Grade's still alive, though. We should get him on the show. <laughs> Wouldn't that be I an interview? Maybe. I don't know. I don't Wouldn't that be an interview? <laughs> The Permission with, to bring the witnesses hostile. The, the, thing with, <laughs> the, the thing with the Sixth Doctor, though, is is that there's there's this paradigm shift, and it still comes down to the fact that Michael Grade and the Sixth Floor were trying to kill Doctor Who on television. But we talk about how the fans rescued Doctor Who in that 18-month hiatus, and they really did, because they did letter-writing campaigns, and Ian Levine was behind it, and, and Jonathan Nathan Turner was actually going covertly and, and coming up with schemes and plans on how to push the brass in order to get the show back on the air. And so when they did, and I can't for the life of me remember what happened, but the, the fans then eventually started turning on the Sixth Doctor. Mm-hmm. And so we, you, you know, Chrissy kind of references There's the a lot fact of that, 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 that... Well, that's just it. The, 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 Chrissy references the fact that you know it was really just the top brass that killed it, but it wasn't. It, 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 unfortunately, the fans at some point turned on on the Sixth Doctor as well, and There's still Colin Baker that narrows it down to Michael Grade and the coat that the coat was a bad choice and that it, it, it got the that the Sixth Doctor off on the wrong foot. And I think I like the coat. I'm, I'm like Chrissy. I, I'm fond of the coat. I, I connected to the Sixth. I fond of the coat. Yes. I just connected I to the Sixth Doctor. I did not originally when I first saw it. I just. But I think the coat, and, and as Colin Baker believes, it's the coat. That's ultimately what kills it is the coat in Michael Green. And I'll have to see if I can find it so you can post links in the show notes. Somebody uh, did a screen capture and then recolored the coat in all black and gray as if that was what. Like, it, it's the same costume, mm-hmm. but it's all black and gray. There's no huh. color to it We've at all. We've seen the blue version. I've seen, seen the blue yeah. version. It's well, very similar to the There, blue there was an episode of the blue version. Uh, real time. No. Yes, real time. Wasn't there? Well, not, not an episode. Not episode. an episode. Real time, which is one of the webisodes. 
features the blue coat. Oh. I believe it was. Yeah. I thought there was an, a proper episode that featured you're, the blue you're, coat. You're thinking what I thought because I thought the same thing. I thought that there was an episode with the blue coat, and somebody did a fan one of the, one of the uh, Daleks. Which one is his? Is that? Revelation. Revelation of the Daleks. Oh, the they go to the planet where he's got yeah. the blue That's cloak what I'm thinking on. Of. Okay. Yeah. And I kept waiting for the blue outfit to show up, and it never did because it's it's just in the animated. And the reason it's in the animated is because they couldn't animate the patchwork because it was a nightmare to try. Well, and they could, but it was just it was that many <laughs> colors was was too many. And the, the blue coat. Well, I got to draw this a bunch of times. The blue That's coat, <laughs> from what I understand, is is. Uh, Mentioned in the Big Finish audio series, yeah, so there since are used there it are in Big some Finish. that he is wearing the blue coat in I there, yeah. and so yeah, the blue the blue coat, and again that was another thing. I mean when 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 you're creating stories and and now granted it was real time that that spurred, spurred this, but when you're creating stories on a on a different look or different outfit for the Doctor, clearly <laughs> there's something wrong yeah. with the patchwork coat, so. Okay, so so they did it in all black. They did it in there all is black, a, which is what Colin originally wanted. Colin wanted to wear black velvet because he thought, A, it was heartening back to Hartnell with his kind of monochromatic look, and it was in tone with his darker nature. Mm-hmm. But it was also a call out to Pertwee with the, with the, the velvet, velvet, and that's what he really wanted. But Nathan huh. Turner said, no, absolutely not. We're going to do this. There's an action figure variant with the blue coat as well. I've seen that. Yeah. Which is cool. But, um, so, uh, well, I guess since we've seen him, maybe it's because it's just been so out of order. It felt like we hadn't seen him, but... It's it's out of order, and it's been very spread out. Because, I mean... Can anybody put a finger on which Doctor Who is... Because I I really only have two. I mean, I can't... I I, I come down to two of all time. (laughs) That's kind of cool. That's not real, but that's cool. No, that's that's the one that I was looking for. That a fan yeah. did that and just took a still image and then. I don't agree with the blue tie like that. I don't know. I'm fine. I, I kind of like it. Yeah. I, think I think it needs to it be gives, darker blue. No, it gives it. It gives it. It's just the right splash it's an, of color. Yeah, it's an accessory that gives it just enough color. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, you'll have to send me that link. It's on DeviantArt, but um. <laughs> you'll have to send me that link. <laughs> Anyway, I, 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 you know, there are things like that. Now, like I said, I, I've come to like the outfit. I've come to kind of appreciate the costume. I've come to warm to it. But man, the first time I saw it, it was just like, ah! <laughs> well, I was quite surprised by it the yeah. first time I saw it. But as, as as I said, because I didn't see, but maybe one or two episodes of the Sixth Doctor, I went back and and started from the beginning when I when I was re. Uh, discovering Doctor Who, I went back and I Here's this his was the first one that I I had watched from. Now that's that's a variant on the blue coat. That's a variant. That's, of the, that's blue the blue one, coat yeah. variant. That is not the crushed oh. velvet. Okay. Um, I went back and went from point A to point B, and so I grew to love the Sixth Doctor just based on that. And then while I was doing that, I was discovering the Big Finish audios, and with the that's Big Finish great. audios. Um, yeah, I've seen that one. With the yeah. big finish audio, you say it's not great. That's exactly from real time. That's a that's a clip yeah. from real time. Okay. Um, I meant not real. Oh, in, uh, I see what you mean. <laughs> right, a real yeah, shot. A real of shot. Of him. Uh, albeit photoshopped. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I went from point A to point E. You guys are distracting me with all this coat discussion. Um, <laughs> I went from point A to point B and grew to love him. And then with big finish peppered in there. And just seeing 
in my own mind's eye, the potential that, that the Doctor could have had, the Sixth Doctor could have had, um, really made me come to love the Sixth Doctor. Mm-hmm. And there's there's things like uh, Vigilant Veros, which I think is probably one of the best Sixth Doctor stories as far as identifying the character. But it's, it's, it's the early Sixth Doctor, where we still have kind of that um, brash, um, egotistical, um, very full of himself type of doctor, six doctor. And then we come to Terra the Vervoids, if I'm, if I'm putting fingers on what encompass the doctor, which Terra the Vervoids doctor is a much warmer doctor, a funnier doctor, a witty doctor, even a little bit in Mysterious Planet, I think he's this way as well. In fact, he's warming up to Perry at that time. That, that's what I really like about that. But, um, but that's more of the big finish doctor. That's more of the doctor that we see in big finish. And unfortunately, in the season, that's too little too late because we're in the second to the last story yeah. uh, in the Trial of the Time story arc. So I can't pick one. I'm going to say it's Vengeance on Veros and Terror of the Vervoids as far as how I would pinpoint the, 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 the best representation of the doctor because there are two versions of the sixth doctor that, that evolves over time. I, th- I would agree with you that you can't really choose one because of that progression of character. And because it's such a short run also, you can't. there's not enough of a sampling to say this is best representation. Because there's only 11 stories. That's like, it's like, I don't know what it's like. <laughs> I had no metaphor. See, for I that. almost thought it would have been easier for you to pick one <laughs> with a smaller. I mean, compared to what we ran with with Tom Baker's, the well, that's a, well, a we, we sort of bounced the same thing did, with we, Tom Baker's. And we that's, said, that's well, the other side of the Tom problem. And you've got this Tom, yeah. And but but because that's it's more accept- of Tom. the weird thing is, it's, it's more acceptable when you've got seven seasons yeah. to deal deal with. It's more of a well, you know, there's such an evolution. But even the Sixth Doctor in the short eleven stories that he gets, there is a. Uh, evolution as well, so any of them, I get them all. Okay. I told you, you can always send an email to any of my email addresses. Okay, I have like six. You have six, and I wanted to make sure I send it to the right one. They all come to the same email box, so I will say, I think my favorite of them, no surprise, is Attack of the Cybermen. Somehow I knew you were going to go there. It's one of my favorites, and you had to point that out because Sean missed putting that on the... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened. That. I, I, literally, I walked down the video shelf and went... Da, 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 that's da, because da, da, I da. own Attack. Oh, that's why, because I don't own Attack, do I? No, it's because it's mine. <laughs> you, and all, you and all of the Colin Baker videos then, except, except for... Twin Dilemma and Attack of the Cybermen. Oh, no. That's what happened. It's your fault. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> you still could have went out and bought it. Uh, no, it's because I should have done something smart, like you. I don't know, used the wiki episode guide page as opposed to my DVD shelf. That's what happened. Dope. And I, I think when it, when, I, when I think back of the Sixth Doctor era, the Sixth Doctor is very enjoyable throughout all of it. He may not have had the best stories. I think that's where the problem lies. I think that's, it's not, I think it's that's not, true with it's me, not too. It's not Colin. It's not Perry. It's not Mel. It's the stories they were given. Any any other actor, any other doctor with those stories, it still would be the story. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. And that's partially why, at least so far, I'm glad... What is what makes 
the big finish a little better is because they have also better stories. Mm-hmm. They get a better grasp of the character and the better stories that don't have as many holes in them. Colin's got to revisit. He's had a chance to revisit the Sixth Doctor and do the Sixth Doctor in the way that he wants, and he has the support of really good writing. Yes, yeah. exactly. There are some stinkers, but... Which, and... <laughs> I'm looking at the list. The space buffalo. <laughs> I'm looking Ish. at the list. The list is... It's not a stinker. It's not a stinker. It just has great potential. Of the television episodes, I look at them and say, oh yeah, those great bits in each of them. Mm, yes, And yes. then I, sit, I stop and think about the actual episode stories. I'm like, oh, yeah, it was that one. I like this and this and this, but yeah. Um, I voted for Vengeance on Veros as I think the one that's most representative, but after listening to your dissertation on why it's twofold, I, I, I may have to retract that now, because um, I agree with you. It's, it's early enough in his run that it's not necessarily the Colin Baker that I want as my sixth doctor. It's, obviously, it's much better than Twin Dilemma, but it's still it's still a kickoff. It's still early. Um, I'd almost want to, you know, if we're if we're really going for a fantastic representation of his era, I'd almost want to go and point to a big finish story and you know something along the lines of. Um, and really, I think if it weren't for the trial aspects of Mysterious Planet, Mysterious Planet would probably be a pretty good representation because he is warming to Perry. And he is a bit softer. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's hard to include, I think, anything from Trial of the Time Lord because you kind of need... Because it's all... It really it's one for, the, for the same reason we can't do it with Tom and, and Time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or Five and uh, the Enlightenment story Black, arc. Black Guardian. Oh, the Black yeah. Guardian trilogy, thank yeah. you. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it is. It's difficult to pin him down because it, he, he does go through such a such an arc, such a growth arc within his Doctor. And I think that's really interesting because I don't know other than the different eras of Tom Baker's Doctor, I don't know that any of the other Doctors actually showed a progression from point A to point B. And I I, I wonder how much of that is like Chrissy pointed out, the twinkle of Colin Baker kind of shining through the writing and trying to put as soft a spin on the harshness as he could and finally getting to that point where mm, nobody's watching and they're going to cancel us anyway. I'm just going to play it the way I want to play it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and doing that versus, well, was it intentional? Here's Maybe not intentional, but I'm, you, you know what I'm saying, that they, that they did as, as the Seventh Doctor intentionally became a little darker yeah. as he went. Did they maybe lighten up a little bit on See, the I, I, I as, bet they did. I, I as, think as, that's as probably went. true, but I also think that, I think Colin came in and played it as it was written. I think he looked at the, the script and he said, you know, I got this fantastic job that I never thought I would ever get. It wasn't like they came, you know, beckoning on his door because he was some popular actor because he wasn't. He had done uh, a story before and he happened to be, happened to be at, at a wedding, wedding. Yeah. Yeah. that you know JNT was at, and he was the guy that made him laugh. And so he got this job. And so I think Colin Baker came in and said, "Well, I, you know, I don't like that coat, but I'm not going to ruffle any fe- fe- feathers. I'll take the coat." And well, this is how they want me to play this character, so that's how I'm going to play it. And so I think what happened was as as he started, he played it in the sense that it was on paper, but as it progressed, then. 
he was started you know adding his little shine to it and 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 you know softening the character and and even though the writing was still sort of taking him down that that harsh brash personality that, that they started with um i think that maybe he worked that to his advantage and sort of you know put a little bit of a, a humor edge to it just in the way that he portrayed it and made it a little lighter and a little more palatable and and actually that's where I think Terror of the Vervoids works so well is because he's finally that character where, you know, you just he's that fun where he should be. He still has that arrogance about him. He still has he's a bit of a brash doctor, but he still has more of that lovable side, you know, right. that you, you can just see that shining through, so that's a valid point. That, that it, in, in many ways, if you're looking at this for for that reason, that it kind of elevates for voids. I mean, we talked about it last week, kind of being a stereotypical right. standard yeah. Doctor Who story. But in many ways, it does elevate it. And we talked about it, the best thing about it was Colin, mm-hmm. and that's so true. I also think he. It, it's interesting to me to look at this and every interview I've ever seen with Colin Baker, whether it's early interviews as a young man where he's telling the story about I was at this wedding and I made them laugh and you know got this or current day Colin where he's reflecting back on his time either way he seems like a very earnest nice respectful and and, and nowadays kind of sweet caring old man you know he he just seems like the lovable grandfather that you'd love to have come over and regale you with stories of the old days he just kind of has that persona how much of a fantastic actor is he then if he could turn around and not be if that's if that's who he really is and, and the face that he puts on for the public that he could then turn around and be the doctor in the early you know mm-hmm. and you look at him in some of these early episodes where he is brash and arrogant and bigger than life and over the top and he seems very mild-mannered and soft-spoken mm-hmm. in every interview I've seen with him which is not at all his doctor right yeah and so a lot of this kind of fan backlash that comes at him for being oh it's the Colin Baker era but yet I, he's that good of an actor. I, I think is a good point. Is is, is deserved? It really is. it is deserved, and that, that, that's that's where I, st- I still think fandom. <laughs> I still think fandom does not give him a chance. Uh, I agree, and, and it's sad. And, yeah. and and I'm going to tell any one of our listeners that you know if you had any sort of a gleam of liking Colin Baker or liking the Sixth Doctor, please go search out some of his Big Finish audio. It is so wonderful because it's the best parts of the Sixth Doctor, as, as Keith said, underneath very, very strong writing. So, well, and I think and audios are, are, are an acquired taste for some people. It's yeah, it's hard it's to get into audios, but I they really once you've done a couple, you just it's you get it's like a play in your head. And may, and Keith, let me know if I'm wrong, but in a way, I think the fractured vortex style of doing this <laughs> may have helped in it this does. instance. It that really you does. Had, you got one or two Colin Bakers to watch, and then we went into the, a lot of the audios before we finished out mm-hmm. the rest of the season. And yeah. I think that really it's helped me immensely. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree. It to definitely him as does. a doctor. So you know, maybe because you get to see more facets of him that you don't get to see on yeah. TV. Yeah, and, and I, I hope that anybody else out there, as you said, would, would, you know, if you go seek out his stuff and then come back to the episodes, that you kind of have that second revelation. And maybe that's why I liked Mind Warp so much better than than, than Scott or some of our other listeners did because I was able to put, you know these pieces together and make it work in my head and that's what that's what fandom's all about i just i you know i wish more people would be like that and less about the that era sucked it was terrible mm-hmm. it was this dismissive yeah and i mean I, I can be as dismissive as the next guy i didn't like transformers you know it's, <laughs> I, I, I i get that, that that i can be very very 
egotistical and uh, yeah. or Twilight or Twilight or the host or, or the host <laughs> or pretty much anything that Stephanie Meyer ever touched. Um, so I get that, but you know, I, I wish that I wish that I could be more accepting of that. But you know, I'm sorry, bad is bad, and the host is just bad. You haven't seen it yet. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the scariest thing about the host is we it's on it play the, it's on a trailer that we have at work, and it comes up. And says in one of the poo, poo, kind of word things, and comes up and says, "A new saga begins," and my hackles go up because Stephanie Meyer wrote one book in this so saga, far. and she hasn't written anything else. You haven't written anything else. You're not allowed to call it a saga. And while we're on there's, the subject, there's four books planned though. So. The word saga is reserved. There's only one saga, <laughs> and nobody else gets to lay claim to that word. Period. Yes, I'm going to get on my soapbox now. Thanks, Glenn. Saga. There's only one. <laughs> and, it's, and there's <laughs> only one return. There's only one return. <laughs> oh, Lord. And it's All out right. of the what's, game. What's, it's what's, the Jedi. Jedi. what's coming up on the <laughs> schedule? Uh, next week. What? Go ahead. No, you got it. You go for it. I'm done. You <laughs> sit back and relax the rest of the show. I'm Doctor's I'll... Wife for Friday Night Who. Yay! That new classic. That new classic. That new classic. It's got new Who smell. And then for episode 136, we will be discussing the two big Finnish stories, Kerdroya and The Next Life. Did you know how to pronounce it? Yes. Well, then I'm glad you took it because I wouldn't have. Because <laughs> I've listened to Kerdroya. 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 Sounds Russian. And then for those looking forward or looking ahead to purchase DVDs, if you haven't yet, Dragonfire will be August 9th. Which we discussed, I thought. Maybe. I don't think we Maybe did. not. Maybe. Okay. Do we need to run down the list real quick? It's, it's, post, oh, it's, it's posted, posted on the website. Online. Look, uh, Dragonfire, uh, Destiny of the Doctor 7, Shockwave, and Prisoners of Time 7. Uh, eight sixteen will be Santarin experiment for Friday night. Three of those together that week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, DWs are really short. Yeah, usually. but we quit doing that, didn't we? Didn't we decide that we were going to no, pair uh, two and two? That's all right. Go ahead. Uh, Santarin experiment for Friday night. Who eight sixteen one thirty eight? We review Sarah Jane Adventures season four. Uh, for Friday night. Who August twenty third will be the f- just released in North America, The Green Death. That's a special edition, right? It is the special okay, edition. Okay, so it's already out. It's technically already right. out. Yeah. Uh, episodes 1 through 3. Uh, 139, we'll discuss Seventh Doctor Revisited and Anniversary. Or, and, uh, well, let's not get too far ahead era. of ourselves. <laughs> and that's the end of the month. Cool. And then finishing the Green Death the following. Yeah. So if you haven't bought any of those, it's it's um, Dragonfire, the Green Death, and you m- might want to start on Sarah Jane Adventure Season 4. Yep. And again... Palm again, two audios next week. Very good. Well, be sure to stick around after we sign off because uh, Dr. Phil has sent us some uh, audio on uh, Mysterious Planet and the Ultimate Foe. And actually, it's kind of a... Uh, all-encompassing trial all-encompassing package. trial yeah. package for you. So. And it's well worth a listen, yes. so make sure you stick around Absolutely. for that. And thank you once again, Dr. Phil, for enlightening us. On some of the aspects that we don't cover on the show, like the the the, the sound and the the uh, music, music and whatnot, so yeah. yeah, it's certainly wonderful to hear from you. Because we lead with our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, certainly not our heads. <laughs> if that's going to do it for this time, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. 
Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. What now? Communication from Watchtower Command. Mistress Authorized capsule entry imminent. Stand to on Sector 7. My travelings throughout the universe, I have battled against evil. Against power-mad conspirators. I should have stayed here. The oldest civilization. Decadent, degenerate, and rotten to the core. Power-mad conspirators, Daleks, Sontarans, Cybermen. They're still in the nursery compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really corrupt. Regarding composer Dominic Glynn, in addition to a new arrangement of Ron Grainer's Doctor Who theme, he is responsible for scoring many stories during the final years of the run of the classic series of Doctor Who, including The Mysterious Planet, The Ultimate Foe, Dragonfire, The Happiness Patrol, and Survivor. Since working on Doctor Who, Dominic Glynn has become among the most prolific composers of television and film, as well as modern radio revival of the British science fiction classic Lake Seven. Through his work for BMG Zomba, his production music has found its way into such varied programs as The Simpsons, Red Dwarf, and Erie, Indiana, as well as the films Holy Man and Kevin and Perry Go Large. Additionally, Glenn composed and performed the score to the British crime thriller Bad Day, starring Claire Goose and Donna Eyre. In 2005, his composition Dangerous Beauty was used as the theme to the hit Dutch television thriller series Verzee. He also composed the score for a series of short supernatural film dramas screened at London's Fright Fest Horror Film Festival, as well as music for two contemporary dance films. He has composed the score of the video game Forsaken, performing as The Swarm, and Revolt. Working in alternative electronica in 1992, his passion for underground dance music allowed him to record for various UK labels including Rising High and Creation Offshoot Infonet Records. Later, Glenn founded his own record label, No Bones Records, recording under the names Fluid and Cyberjazz and with Justin McKay as Scissorgy. Dominic Glenn continues to appear as a DJ for the Big Chill and Glastonbury festivals. About Dominic Glenn's arrangement of Ron Grainer's Doctor Who theme. After being engaged to compose incidental music for Series 23 by then-producer John Nathan Turner, Dominic Glynn was also engaged to update the opening title music for Doctor Who. For the first time since 1979, Glynn's arrangement returned the Doctor Who theme to E minor from Peter Howell's version that had been in F sharp minor. Producing a more mysterious version than Peter Howell's, the instruments Dominic Glynn used for the theme included a Roland Juno 6 synthesizer, primarily used producing the iconic Doctor Who bassline. The melodic elements and filtered noise effects were performed on a Yamaha DX21 and Korg 770 synthesizers, respectively. According to Glenn, the album version, produced much later, was also augmented with a Sequential Circuits Prophet 5 synthesizer. 
For Series 24, along with the recasting of the Doctor in the form of Sylvester McCoy, Glenn's theme would be replaced by the now-familiar McCoy-era version created by composer Kef McCulloch. Years later, in 2003, Dominic Glenn's version of the theme would make a triumphant return in the Big Finish Productions audio production Jubilee, starring Colin Baker as the Sixth Doctor and Maggie Stables as history professor Evelyn Smythe. On to Glenn's score for Trial of a Time Lord. The tools that Glenn used for Trial of a Time Lord included the aforementioned Roland Juno 6, Yamaha DX21, and Korg 770 synthesizers. Creating a rich sense of orchestration, his opening music for the trial is expansive and equally as exciting as the shot it accompanies, the vast Time Lord space station, the most expensive model shots of the 1980s, if not the entire classic series. Part one of the trial is epic both in scope, but as well with a great sense of musical foreboding with the tolling bells, as well as the grandeur of the organ representing the Time Lords, a musical element going back to many of Dudley Simpson's scores such as The War Games, The Deadly Assassin, and The Invasion of Time. The monolithic melody and accompanying harmonies are reminiscent of the 1980s film Dune, and like that film creates an expansive, timbrely rich tonal representation of the space station as the TARDIS is pulled off course. As the Doctor stumbles into the trial room, suffering from amnesia, the Doctor is confronted by the Inquisitor and Prosecutor known as the Valyard. The score here is dissonant and atmospheric, helping the audience sense the Doctor's disorientation at the reality of the trial laid out before him. The following cue, taken from Dominic Lynn's release Black Light, entitled Be Careful, The Tribe of the Free, Marb Station, is filled with great tension. And as the fanfare for the tribe begins, it's modal in nature, capturing the pre-industrial society not far removed from our own Middle Ages. The track also features a synthetic celeste, which adds a great deal of warmth as well. The track entitled The Valyard's Threat is a great dramatic sting and, interestingly enough, seems to include the same intervals as Paddy Kingsland often used in his series 18 and 19 scores for Menace, specifically for the Master in Legopolis and Castor Valva. Following this, the thematic material for the L1 robot, brash and bombastic, filled with driving, clashing half-step dissonances. The next track, entitled The Hunting Party, opens with one of Glenn's signature stings in the score, with sinister bell sounds appearing throughout the mysterious planet later in The Ultimate Foe. The next instance's motive appears in the score is entitled Courtroom Drama slash Ravelox, which also sees hints of the trial theme again. While not completely functioning as a Wagnerian leitmotif, it does help the audience associate themes with specific places and events. While the majority of the score to The Mysterious Planet is filled with short cues, Glenn's music is effective in emphasizing tension and action. The cue entitled This Could Be The End, both parts one and two, is rhythmically driving and energetic. His use of orchestration is colorful despite the limited number of instruments he uses here. Additional tracks from the Black Light release include Long Live Queen Katrika, Doctor You're Alive, Perry's World, The Wrath of Drathro, The Death of Grell, The Food Chamber, and Black Light Explosion. Moving on to a personal favorite of mine, The Ultimate Foe, Dominic Glynn outshines himself here as he builds on motives, tone clusters, and other devices that made his score to the mysterious planet so successful. While many can point on various weaknesses in the plot of The Ultimate Foe, particularly in the second episode, the score does not disappoint in any way. 
With more darkness and whimsy than the previous story, Glenn's score has many plot and story elements to work with. The appearance of the Master, and the revelation of the Valiard, as well as his flight into the Matrix. Now, The Matrix. The Matrix had its first appearance in a previous Robert Holmes script, Serial 4P Story 88, The Deadly Assassin. It's a massive computer that acts as a repository of the combined knowledge of Time Lords, both living and dead. As noted by the Doctor, the Matrix can be physically penetrated, which in the case of the story is through a seventh door from the Time Lord space station. The Keeper of the Matrix holds the key of Rassilon that grants access, and with a copy, the Valiard gains access to this door. A brilliant creation of Robert Holmes, the Matrix is part of the Amplified Penetropic Computer Network, or APCNet, which contains the biological imprints, or biodata extracts, of all Time Lords and their memories, storing them in an extra-dimensional framework of trillions of electrochemical cells. This allows them to see the past, as well as to make predictions about the future. To seek out the Valiard and the supposed altered evidence of the trial, the Doctor and Sabalon Glitz are forced to enter the Matrix, a dark Dickensian dystopia with the Victorian fantasy factory at its heart. Why the emphasis on the Matrix? As a plot device, it allows Glenn to compose some of his best work for Series 23, which combines elements of fantasy and darkness and melodrama all into one package. The score to The Ultimate Foe opens with some of the best dramatic music of the series, as, after Glitz and Mel arrive as witnesses, the Doctor learns the truth about Ravalox via the Master, who finally makes his present known. This is followed by the cue The Master's Revelation, filled with ominous bass tones and atmosphere as the Doctor is confronted with the truth about the trial, who the Valiard really is, and the complicity of the Time Lords in this so-called show trial intensity builds as the Keeper of the Matrix reveals the existence of the Seventh Door, leading both Glitz and the Doctor into the nightmare world of the Matrix, filled with dissonant cluster chords. The cue into the Matrix reveals a small motivic clue to a theme for the Doctor. I'll discuss that further later. Following this is the music for the Barrel, where the Doctor is narrowly drowned by unknown arms pulling him into a water barrel. Now we get to the heart of Glenn's thematic material for The Ultimate Foe, The Fantasy Factory. Here we have the declamatory opening on a pipe organ which quickly morphs into a disturbing congruence between calliope, dissonant pedal tones, followed by a collection of clock-like ticking slowing down in a three-note upwards motive. Interesting that this is the same motive that accompanies the Doctor's vehement criticism of the Time Lords that we hear at the beginning of this episode. The following cue is that of Mr. Popplewick, the functionary of the Fantasy Factory. There is some sinister music accompanying the moment in which the Doctor signs over the rest of his regenerations, in case he gets injured or killed within the Fantasy Factory. The reason why Mr. Popplewick does this is that in case the Time Lords do not keep their pact with the Valiard, it will be taken care of by contract. Now parted from Glitz, and with the music accompanying the very odd waiting room, many hands reach out of this quicksand in order to pull the Doctor below to his death. After the recap of the cliffhanger in Episode 2 of The Ultimate Foe, Glitz runs to the Doctor's rescue as the Doctor lectures Glitz on the reality of the Matrix, and the fact that it's all a computation matrix. 
After this, the Valiard appears to taunt the Doctor and warn of his impending doom, leading us to the queue as both the Doctor and Glitz flee nerve gas, breaking into a cabin that happens to be the Master's TARDIS, hiding in the Matrix. The following cue, The Illusion, is one of my favorites in the entire score. The Doctor, having just had judgment passed in a false trial room within the Matrix, accepts the guilty verdict and sentence of death. He does this in order to finally truly confront the Valiard. This is a great twist in the story and one of the best dramatic moments for Colin Baker's Doctor, the other being at the beginning of the segment. Later, with the Grand Guignol, the twist regarding Mr. Popplewick is understood, the Valyard's plot against the Time Lord is revealed, amongst dramatic organ chords and other radiophonics. The music accompanying the Particle Disseminator is the first time we have music that represents the Valyard, at least in its entirety. At this point, the Master believes that he has all the secrets of the Time Lord as taken from the Matrix, and attempts to load into his TARDIS, which both he and Glitz find out is a very awful and awkward trap. We finally get the Valiard's full thematic material during the music accompanying the Q ray phase shift, in which the Doctor has sabotaged the particle disseminator, causing feedback into the Matrix. Here we see the death of the Valiard as the Doctor escapes through the seventh door of the Matrix. As the Fantasy Factory explodes, the Time Lords in the trial room narrowly escape destruction as the Doctor arrives to the news that the Inquisitor has dropped all charges. At this point, the trial theme reappears in a much more optimistic version. With the Doctor having asked the Inquisitor to show leniency to Sabalom Glitz, he and Mel depart in the TARDIS. With life moving on, the Inquisitor leaves asking the Matrix Keeper to requisition all he needs. Just before the closing stream of Dominic Glynn's Doctor Who theme, we have the Valiard's thematic material as again the audience realizes that the Valiard has escaped in true fashion with classic serials. Regarding commercial releases of Dominic Glynn's scores from Trial of a Time Lord. The Doctor Who Appreciation Society produced a July 1988 cassette release of music by Dominic Glynn entitled Dominic Glynn Black Light. The production was organized by Julian Knott and technical coordination was undertaken by Paul Allen. This release was put together for the reference department of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society and therefore only available to DWAS members via mail order. According to reference material, this is one of the few releases of music from the Colin Baker era, save for Elizabeth Parker's suite from the serial 6Y Story 141 Time Lash. Later, Dominic Glynn remixed and extended the trial theme from The Mysterious Planet for a flexi-disc record distributed through Doctor Who magazine in 1990 as a promotion for a possible silver screen CD Blacklight The Remixes. Unfortunately, this release never materialized. Around 1999 to 2000, Glynn's music was retitled and bootlegged on CD for sale at Doctor Who conventions. Glynn's music from Dragonfire was bootlegged on a CD with Kef McCulloch's Time and the Ronnie score. The DVD release of Trial of a Time Lord was released by Two Entertain in a four-disc set in July of 2008 in the United Kingdom and in October of the same year in the United States and Canada. Disc 1 of the trial set for Mysterious Planet includes two commentaries, one with actors Colin Baker, Nicola Bryant, Tony Selby, and Adam Blackwood, and a second with script editor Eric Sayward for episode 1 only. Composer Dominic Glynn is included in the documentary Making the Mysterious Planet, a retrospective on the production of that story. Among the usual infotext, PDF resources, trail and continuities, and other extras, there are several musical extras to note here. 
There are music videos of the opening titles, a 2008 stereo mix and a 5.1 mix of the theme, and a music video by sound restoration expert Mark Ayers. There is also a stereo and 5.1 music video of the trial theme. While Glenn was not necessarily pleased with the sound mix on the Black Light release, it must be said that the inclusion of his theme as well as the trial theme is a most welcome inclusion on this DVD set. Disc 4 in the Trial of a Time Lord set for The Ultimate Foe includes a commentary with Colin Baker, Tony Selby, and director Chris Cliff, as well as with Pip and Jane Baker for episode 14 of The Trial. Again, a second commentary is included with former script editor Eric Sayward for episode 13, explaining the many difficulties behind the scenes. Also included is a making-of featurette for The Ultimate Foe, but more remarkable is the documentary entitled Trials and Tribulations covering the entire Colin Baker era, a very informative and thoughtful effort to chronicle all the elements that conspired to attempt to take Doctor Who from our screens. Lastly, with the kind permission of Ian Levine, the DVD includes the 1980s-era music video for the single Doctor in Distress to raise public awareness about the show's hiatus. To be kind, it must be admitted that Doctor in Distress has not aged gracefully. It is most unfortunate that there are no isolated scores for any of the stories included on the Trial of a Time Lord DVD set. Nonetheless, minus the small criticism regarding the isolated scores, it must be said that the Trial of a Time Lord series was a set I'd hoped for since the beginning of the Doctor Who DVD range. I have a special place in my heart for Sixth Doctor Colin Baker, who has since been much better realized in the Big Finish audios, as well as Dominic Glenn's colorful and dramatic score to both the Mysterious Planet and the Ultimate Foe. When watching these extras, I always feel a deep sense of sympathy to all behind the scenes who worked hard to keep Doctor Who on the air during a period when there was not much support from the upper management at the BBC. All of the extras on the set make it one of the best DVD releases that Two Entertained has produced for the classic series range, filled with extras that really do an excellent job of creating a better perspective on Colin Baker's tenure on the show, both on screen as well as behind the scenes. To this, I recommend the Trial of a Time Lord DVD set to any serious fan of the classic series. It really is a great time capsule of Doctor Who in the 1980s. been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.